Na 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 thunder. Na 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 thunder. Na 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 thunder. Na 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 na. You've been thunderstruck. That's always a classic, man. You can never go wrong with that. That's me going. John, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Saturday morning. I get, well, we get up early, don't Like, what time do you get up? It's the construction life. Uh, usually around 5.30. 5.30? Okay, yeah. yeah. We always get up early. I, I love it that we're getting up at the point where it's actually, there's a little bit of light out now. Absolutely. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I looked out my window and I'm like, oh, it's actually getting pretty bright which out. Which is so. kind of cool, right? So we know that June, July is coming and we'll have the longest days, which basically means construction, or construction production at that point. Yep. We up. maximize everything, right? Absolutely. So I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I got to let everybody know who we're talking with here. Right? So how do you pronounce the last name, man? It's Maslkovsky. Maslkovsky. Yeah. Okay. So obviously you're Irish. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, no. Macedonian background, half Greek, half Macedonian. Awesome, so. awesome. And so John's from Arctic Fence and General Contracting. You're the uh, operations manager. Website is www.arcticfence.ca, and his email is John at arcticfence.ca, and the Instagram is Arctic Fence. Arctic right? Fence, yeah. A R C T I C. So Arctic Fence. Arctic, yeah. yeah. So it's perfect, man. What are we going to talk about today, man? I know you sent me an stuff. email and we got a bunch of stuff that we want to chat about, but obviously we're going to talk about what you do as in the business there. But we also, you've got an opinion about basically the construction life, which is yep. really I good. think uh, right now the industry is <laughs> at a point where a lot of trades think it's booming. And then a lot of guys think, hey, we're, we're at a tipping point right here, right? With where the economy is rising, material prices, fuel prices. It's, uh, it's hit or miss what's going to happen. I don't think anyone truly knows what's going to happen, but... You got to play it day by day, right? So who's right and who's wrong? And I think the real question is, it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. It's really about preparation. Absolutely. So either if the younger, because I'm finding that the younger trades are saying, I'm busy, I'm booked, this ain't going to happen. Older trades, when I say older, maybe late 30s and up, I think those trades are saying it could potentially happen, and I want to prepare for it. Absolutely. So those are the two schools of thought that are that are going on right now. But, I mean, I think all you can really do is just prepare. Exactly. Anticipate and then don't get caught reacting and just prepare for being proactive. Exactly. That's all you can really do, man. Well, well the thing is, like you said, a lot of younger guys, they're kind of naive to it. Because they didn't see the peaks and valleys. They haven't gone right? through it. Exactly. You know, like the, the pandemic itself has been the hardest thing, I suppose, that they've gone through outside of housing prices. And I, in all fairness, I totally give it that, you know, when you look at our PM and he's being interviewed and they're asking him, you know, you got a person that's in their 20s, mid to late 20s, and they're asking the PM, are they going to be able to afford a house? And he just smirks and says no. Yeah. And that's the truth of it, because the cost of living compared to the price of a house this generation has to look at multi-generational owning, yep. which is something that I've never heard no, of. Shared ownership. Shared all ownership. these things are going amongst our friend groups. You know, let's let's all put our money together, get get a house, rent it out, right? But then there's so going to be four. It's a frat house. Yeah, exactly. Basically. You're going to have five owners on it, yeah. right? The thing is, people. My, I'm 26 years old, so I'm, a, I'm part of that millennial generation. And a lot of my generation have lost hope of ever owning a home. They've just given up. They're cool with renting, to be honest. A lot of people I've talked to. But even rental rates are insane. They're insane. Like, like They're I, insane. I've heard of one one bedroom condos going as high as two thousand, even twenty five hundred. Oh yeah, easily, easily. No so, parking uh, spot, which we, is insane. Yeah, we were looking at condos, me and my girlfriend, and uh, yeah, shoe boxes to to call them that. Five hundred square feet, you know, twenty five hundred bucks, no balcony. 
It's a lot it, of money to it, rent. It, it's tons of money. That's tons actually going to, that's, that's possibly more than it would be if it was a mortgage. Oh, absolutely. Or, or, you know, getting right there with a mortgage. Right. But the thing is with, with my generation, it's, you're going to spend all this time putting down the down payment, saving it, putting it together. And that's stress in its own. You know, you're living on a budget. Then you finally put that down payment down. So now you have that stress off your shoulders. But now what? Now you have a $3,000 mortgage payment, $4,000 mortgage payment, right? Four, three, five, whatever exactly. you decided on. Exactly. You even stress out even further if you went variable. Oh. And you're watching the Bank of Canada Just hinting that it's going to go up. Where we already know we're at the end of April going into May, they're going to increase it three more times this yep. year. They've yep. already, they've already I, hinted I read they want to add one more raise one in, more. in the year. Yeah, I was reading a couple days ago because I don't think they think the rate hikes they're going to put in are going to have much of an effect. What I was hearing is they want to add one more onto the five total they wanted to do for the year. Wow. Yeah. So then what happens is, are you going to get politicians that want to get reelected are going to start saying, well, we're going to increase the minimum wage now too. Which, where, at where it's at right now, as a business owner, that's difficult to pay. Oh, absolutely. You but then I mean? again, I, look, I always try to play devil's advocate. So from the flip side too, minimum wage is not a living wage. No. It's not survivable. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Right. So we, we always try to pay a fair wage. But then again, it's the same thing. Like I mentioned, it's not a livable wage. You know, two people in the household, they got to be making at least 30 bucks an hour. I know. Gone each. are the days of a, of a two person unity of owning a property and possibly having a child. And one person stays home yep. or both goes and works. Yep. And then you pay for a daycare you pay for a nanny and that's that's just more income more money that's going out your pocket so i know i've had a lot of younger friends of mine when they started their families they debated that whole thing do it does one of us stay home do both of us go to work and i think that whenever you calculate everything when both went to work you actually were spending more money as a result of it you were losing more money as a result of it so you basically were stressing out as you were trying to keep up with the payments absolutely Absolutely. Man, well, I know that we just got on that show and we yeah, just like went on to this we whole right thing. But it. I mean, the funny thing is in construction, it doesn't matter what trade you are, where you are in the world. I think every tradesperson is having this conversation. They're Absolutely. debating this. And, and Canada is probably at the forefront because we are one of the most expensive places in the entire world to live at. Yep. You know, and I, I just, I'm dumbfounded by that because when you compare ourselves to New York, to London, to other places... I don't understand why we're so expensive. Is it just like poor leadership? Is it just we just don't care? Like let it be. Like there's a bunch of shit. But I want to. I want to get back to Arctic. Let's do it. Yeah. So Let's how? Do it. Uh, tell us about the Arctic and about the, the business that you do. Yeah. How long you've been in it and everything like that, man. Uh, so the business is Arctic Fence and General Contracting. We're a fence contractor by trade. We started in 1971. Oh, old so, school. Yeah. So I'm the a year third I generation. was born. The year that Carlito oh, was born. Go. Yeah. Awesome. 71, man. So I'm a third generation. My grandfather started the business in 71. Dad got involved in the late 80s. What was the idea back there? Did you? Uh, yeah. So what it was, my grandfather was a, he was actually a refugee. Okay. Masoroni was still a communist Yugoslavia at the time. So he came here back home. He was actually a university professor. So when they came here, he told them, you know, this is what I did back home. And, and they, they pretty didn't... no, they pretty much told them. I, I, I hate that so much that we get so many interesting and talented people from other nations come here and our government dismisses it. Absolutely. I hate it. Absolutely. I, I can't but stand it. Our standards here are high, which yeah. I'll give across the board. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, good tradespersons all over the world, good doctors, lawyers, whatever it is. Right. So they pretty much told him you're a fucking nobody when he came here. Wow. So he started uh, working, you know, the factories. I think he started off at Stelco in Hamilton. He was okay. doing a bunch of welding work there. 
And then he uh, worked for a fence company for about a year. After that one year, learned everything he needed to learn and uh, opened up Arctic Made Fence. Made his own. That's it. Learned the faults, learned the good, everything. Okay, and that was 71. Yep. And then how has it grown from then till now? I mean, this is a big chunk of time, over 50 oh, years, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like when, like we, when I tell people 50 years, they're amazed, right? Yeah. Especially telling them I'm the third generation. So it's still family owned, you know. But uh, it started off, you know, honest, humble beginnings, residential fences, wood fences, chain link, uh, slowly got into the commercial industrial sector and uh, grew from there. So now we pretty much service uh, government infrastructure, uh, commercial industrial, and we also do some residential still. I, you I don't think focus we'll, on resi. I think we'll get into why okay. we don't get into the residential anymore. Yeah. We still do a lot of residential, but it's more, you know, custom new builds, gate systems, stuff like that. We branched off, so we do a lot of project management now. Pretty much in-house, we do fencing, custom steel fabrication, because we're welders, and uh, we got into the concrete work. So no foundations or anything like that, but we'll do slab work, uh, walkways, curbs, stuff like that. Because it's always connected to... Exactly. And clients are asking for, and that's the reason why. Well, we just want to be able to provide the most service, right? So if you can hire one guy to do four different things, and even if I can't do maybe number five and six... Let me project manage the whole thing. You don't have to worry about it. We'll make sure it stays on time, on budget, and quality is always there. That's efficiency. Like, yeah. was that your grandfather? Was that your dad? Was like, who started looking at? It was at more my dad. Your dad, right? It was right? more my dad. My uh, my grandfather, I would say, was more of a business minded individual. He was still uh, very good with his hands and stuff like that. But my dad, he's he's just one of those guys lo- loves building just looks at something, has an image in his head, and he'll just produce it right But away. I get the sense that he loves building for the definition of twofold, where building physically with your hands, building a business. Absolutely. With, well, your, with your mind, basically. But my dad really, when he came in, he really branched out into the concrete work, the custom metal fabrication. You know, uh, we have the machines, so we do a bunch of excavation as well. So minor excavation, trenching, stuff like that. But yeah, if, if we have it, why not use it? That was his theory, right? We got backhoe sitting there, excavators. They're making no money when they're sitting in the yard. That's the thing about it. Any tool, any yep. any tool yep. that that requires a person, if it's not moving, it's not making money. Exactly. And I, I mean, I want to just chat a little bit about the welding side of things because I've got a huge respect for anybody that does steel fabrication or any kind of metal fabrication. There are some shady cats out there. Absolutely. But there are some serious, like when you see good, good fabrication, it's... It's almost like a, a warm feeling over yeah. your shoulders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you look at it and you just take pride. You have no idea the skill level of it. You want to try it one day. But I mean, how do we find those good people, those good, strong tradespeople that do that kind of work? It, it's like any trade, man. It's, they need to care. Okay. You know, they need to be passionate about it. They want to come to work. They love coming to work. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned before, it's the construction life. Yeah. You got to love it. Every minute of it, the ups, the downs, the bads, the goods. Are there a lot of young cats that are actually interested in that? You know what? We work with another welding company that we use a lot. So they send a lot of guys out to help us with some projects. And it started by, they're called Morgan's Metals. Okay. So they're all over Instagram too. Uh, About four young guys. And they kill it, man. Quality work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing some big, big projects. All types of kinds of fabrication. Yeah, so they're big into the structural. So uh, if you go on their Instagram, you'll see them. The guy, uh, the owner, Travis, he's doing a bunch of like shoring jobs. So big, like high rise, uh, you know, he's welding in all the shoring components and stuff like that. Am I fair to say, and I I don't mean to disrespect any of the metal people out there, do they not have a clue about wood? 
Like, if you give them a two by four, are they kind of dumbfounded by it? I think it's the both same ways, though, right? Like, like you give me a piece of metal, I totally am <laughs> clueless with it. I don't know what to yeah. do with it. So I guess there is that kind of. Yeah, I think it's uh, we kind of close our eyes to the wood. Yeah. Just like how the framers <laughs> cut, you know, close their eyes yeah. to the metal. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, you spend so much time and effort on that one material. It's kind of hard to. You perfected this. Yeah, skill. because the reason I like steel, there's no such thing as too short. Ah, you know what I mean. Okay, There's yeah. no such thing as cutting it too short. You cut it too short. You're you at that point. You're God. You can create exactly. <laughs> weld it back together. Grind it. Blend it. Exactly. And it's like it never happens. Yeah. So. And the weld's actually stronger. That's true. Because when they do, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, people ask me all the time, "How strong is the weld?" I'm like, "Well, when people go do their welding exams, they'll weld two plates together. They call them coupons, and uh, they'll put it through a hydraulic press. The piece of steel has to break." Before the weld. Before the weld. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Which says a lot. Absolutely. But does that, is that also still applicable to if it's a bad welding job? Well. Or uh, there's fatigues there? There is. Okay. So welds all about penetration. Okay. So you need to penetrate both surfaces of steel you're welding to and get proper contact, proper heat, which comes from your electrical current. And uh, you just got to make sure you're really fusing the metals together. There are bad welds. Uh, there are good welders that do bad welds, just like anything else. Yep. You just got to make sure you're taking your time, uh, you're paying attention. And then there's a bunch of tests and inspections you can do after to kind of verify if the weld is proper. So, yeah, it's it's hit or miss, right? Like, you got your good and bad. I've heard, okay, so aluminum, the hardest metal to weld? Uh, aluminum. A difficult metal yeah, to is. weld? Yeah, it's definitely difficult. You need to know what you're doing. Okay. So there's different types of weldings. You have your MIG welding, which is your shielded gas. And then you got your stick welding, which is uh, most of the mobile welders you see on site. Yep. They're using sticks, so yep. they don't have to use gas. That electron has a shielded material over that acts as a gas. And then uh, you have your TIG welding, which okay. is big for the aluminums and stuff like that. In my opinion, aluminum is one of the hardest. Stainless steel, one of the hardest. Uh, I haven't got too much into the titaniums or anything like that, but I've heard those are pretty difficult as well. Wow. I mean, I've always been fascinated. Trust me, a lot of respect for welders and what they do. And, and, and when I see it, I, I look at it as art. Like when it's done Absolutely. well, I look at Absolutely. it as art, right? Like, I mean, that whole roll of dimes and everything yeah. like that, right? So, I mean, okay, so I want to go back to the business Let's because I still, I still, uh, how is business today? It's good. Yeah? Uh, it's good, yeah. So I've been in the business about nine years now. Uh, I grew up in the industry. So every summer I was on site with my dad and my grandfather, you know, in skid steers at seven, eight years old, yeah. moving piles of dirts around, stuff like that. Those are fun days. Those oh, are, it's it. almost like playing with toys. Man. I loved it. Yeah. Well, I'd be on site. He'd be like, you want to come to work? And I'd be like, yeah. And, you know, I was younger, so I would always be begging him. Let me do something. Let me do something. Right. And he always was wary because, you know, I was younger. He didn't want me getting hurt. Big machines. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Me and my brother, we always loved it. We were always in machines, you know, my dad would be in the office doing work. We'd be outside trying to flip a toonie on the skid steer bucket. Right? <laughs> so you could do it first, yeah, little yeah, things yeah. like that, right? So, How was the circle of friends, man? Like, are all your friends, in, like, were they attracted to the trades as well, or were they... A big chunk of my friends are in the trades. Yeah. So a good group of them are in the trades. A bunch of them did different things, you know. Some of them went to medicine, business, stuff like that. But uh, the core group of my friends, I would say about half of them are in the trades. So whether that's, you know, on-site uh, licensed plumbers, some of them are project managers for some of the bigger construction companies in the city. But yeah, a good chunk of them are in the trades, which, I, which I'm fortunate about because we have a good network. We bounce things off each other all the time. 
A good example, one of my good buddies, he's working for a GC right now, and he called me last week, and he's like, John, you need to help me out. I need to get out of here. I'm like, why? What's wrong? I'm like, are they screwing you over or anything like that? He's like, no, they're screwing over their subs. Oh, wow. And he didn't like that. Yeah. Right? He it just it. didn't sit well with him. Of course. So he's like, you got to get me out of here. You know, put your feelers out, see if anyone's looking for a site super. But uh, just seeing that, that he was so passionate about the trades, and he didn't want to see the subs getting fucked over. You know what I mean? Just for a little bit of definition, I mean, were the GCs or the management screwing over the subs in what way? Were they I overpricing? I didn't get too much details. I can I, only assume they're overpricing it had and then they're under, undercharging yeah. or under-delivering. It, it yeah. had something to do with money. Of course, it's and always. And he caught it from the back end Yeah, and he just didn't like it. It didn't sit well with him and he just... You know, he doesn't want to be there anymore. See, that's, I mean, John, the, the, the scary thing is that him noticing it and then him not liking it, he's part of possibly the 10% of the industry, which yep. is the scary thing, right? Because the majority of it, punch in the clock, get in, Pay get no paid. Mind. It doesn't matter. Fine. I got gouged. I lost a little bit. I don't care. I've got steady work for the next six months, a year, two years or whatever it is. But that's the scary part of it. But yep. I mean, I, I don't like that management is doing this because they're still benefiting. Oh, absolutely. I've always said that I mean, you look at, okay, you get, I guess, general people looking at what celebrities or athletes are paid. And there's these huge numbers behind their rates. But in all fairness, the owners of these teams and what they're bringing to these stadiums and what they're charging at the concession stand and what they're charging for tickets is insane. Yep. So it actually is a lot higher than what they're paying out to their oh, star absolutely. athletes. Absolutely. But then when you get into construction, you got management that is charging clients X amount, exorbitant amount, but then they're going back to us. Yeah. Try to get the bare trying bottom. Trying to get it for cheaper. And then absolutely. they just make more money, yep. even though they've already negotiated that rate with the client. That's not fair. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I've heard stories where, uh, you know, bigger companies, you know, they pay their site super 30 bucks an hour, charging the client 100. You we, know what I mean? That, that just an everyday thing. Yeah. Which is, it's very, very scary, but it's man. it's capitalism too, right? You, you can uh, make what you want out of it. I don't get too mad when I hear people saying, you know, basketball players getting paid $30 million. Hey, we're paying to watch them, which yeah. is paying their salaries. So yeah, that's all it you is. Don't, you don't want to hear about them making $30 million? Turn off the TV. Stop watching. Stop buying the basketball jersey. Right? Let's get uh, back on the fences there. I can only assume with your grandfather in the 70s and your dad, I guess, in the 80s, it would have been a lot of chain link fences at that time. Tons. And Tons. then I guess the, the classic wood panel fence came in. I guess it would have been mid-80s to late-80s. Yeah. yeah, I would say early to mid-80s wood started becoming popular. But yeah, before that, it was pretty much chain link across It was all chain link, right? That was you, it. You do the custom wrought iron and stuff like that. Yeah. But even the custom wrought iron now is phased out because they brought in the ornamental which came in in about the 90s. Yeah. So the ornamental is a pre-manufactured product. Uh, it's all hollow tubing. And that's what you see mostly now outside of pools, uh, you know, custom homes and stuff like that. It's the horizontal pickets and vertical pickets and all that. So what's a, what's a good fence? Like what, if you are fencing your own property, what would you be choosing? Uh, well, it's a bunch of different things, right? So now, are you mo mainly focused on security or are you mainly focused on privacy? You know, that's a very good question, man. Did you know I, a shrub's considered a fence? Uh, I know that. Or a hedge, I, yeah. I, I totally yeah, know that. Not and, many people know I know that. legally speaking, I guess, I don't even know if it's under the OBC, but legally speaking, regarding a, a fence, yep. it is considered. Yeah, as long as it... Uh, blocks the side of the property or creates a barrier, it's considered a fence. What's the majority of people? I can only assume majority of people are looking at more for security and then quickly privacy. Well, a lot of our clients, like I said, we're mostly a commercial industrial outfit. So it's 99% security, right? Like we want to protect this property, protect what, we, what we're storing inside and stuff like that. So 
Like we've done projects where, you know, crash rated fences outside of government facilities. Driving into yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. To withstand a vehicle? Ballards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because we've done, we've done uh, correctional institutions, petrochemical facilities, yeah, military installations. Oh, wow. Right? Well, these places all need to be protected by a some sort of barrier right so what are they doing they're increasing what like the uh, i can't talk too no much specifically yeah, I because can't talk too much about it i can there only assume NDAs that it's reinforced it, a lot stronger yeah. the gauge i guess is a lot heavier well, yeah so thicker thicker steel tubing uh you know i've seen we put up fences up to three eighths thick uh steel posts and stuff like that but a lot of it comes from the footings I was just going to say that I'm not an engineer, but I can see a lot of it being connected to how you base it. Absolutely. And that's what makes the st or gives it the strength, Absolutely. right? So a lot of these high security fences I'm talking about, we're talking, you know, 24 inch footing, six foot deep, uh, rebar reinforced. So I remember I, I was having a conversation with Marcelino over at M. Souza there, and he works for Mellow Landscaping. Okay. And he's done a number of those large gates, two swings. Gate systems, yeah. And, and the thing is, to keep the rigidity on the posts or the, actually the hinge posts for the gates, they run a tube underneath into the concrete yeah. to connect it to instead of having to put it on top of it. Absolutely. Preventing any high vehicles from entering, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you could do below-grade bracing okay. from post to post to just kind of keep them square. Uh, but once again, as long as your footing is solid, that post shouldn't go anywhere. When you say solid, I mean, we know the classic bullshit wood fence, four by four inside of an eight inch sauna tube, which is basically nothing because by the time you get to the corners, you got what? Less than exactly. inch and a half of material. Exactly. So, I mean, like when you're talking about a footing, you're talking about a proper yeah, footing. Yeah, like if I were to do a, a wood fence for someone in their backyard, six by six post, I'm digging at least a 12 inch hole. Minimum. Minimum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's going to have so much movement and I don't use sonal tubes. I hate sonal. So tubes. you're pouring concrete right into right in the ground because the concrete forms around the ground. It, it, it bites, it bites it the soil bites in, right? Yeah. And as long as you bell the bottom, which a lot of contractors don't do, that's how they cheap out. You got to open up the bottom of the hole. It won't heave. It won't upheave. We're in Canada. We have frost here. Yep. So you, you'll see a brand new fence in the spring start heaving. Which is so sad. Yeah. Well, the sonal tube helps too, right? Cause it's just a smooth, so it just slides right exactly. up. Exactly. I know, but it's convenient. Plus, you're actually mixing less material, and it means less work. You're literally cutting corners. Efficiency, yeah. You know but what I mean? Quality-wise, you're cutting out on quality now, right? It's so true. I personally don't like sonal tubes. Um, there are projects where they're specced in, so I have to use them. But I think it's a lot better and a lot easier without them. Why would an engineer spec sauna tubes? Not under, they, they must understand the theory not using it i think with engineers everything's perfect it's all it looks, about having it looks a perfect pretty. circle exactly right? what are they so, specking are they specking it above grade or are uh, they sometimes they're specking above grade sometimes they're specking below grade okay so it all depends on uh, what's around it so let's say you're digging an asphalt you're gonna bring that concrete right to the top of the asphalt and finish it if you're digging uh, natural dirt or soils, you're going to want to be that two inches above, right? Yep. So that water doesn't get in for it to freeze and upheave. Yep. But yeah, the engineers, uh, I've had them spec 18-inch footings, five foot deep for a regular chain link fence. So. I remember when I was doing, uh, like way back when I did a job, and someone suggested just uh, soaking the bottom portion of the, of the post in kerosene. Was it kerosene, I think? I'm not exactly sure if it was. I, to be honest, I haven't heard of that. For wood? It, For like wood? The, it was like a black light, a very thin liquid. Oh, uh, a lot of guys, they dip it in like roofing tar. 
Is that so, what they do? Yeah, yeah. I, so, I started noticing a lot of the hydro poles were doing yeah. the exact same thing too. Yeah. And, and so it's you, like a tarp. Yeah, and and then it would last a lot longer. And then I actually went recently. I, I stopped by and just take a look at it, and there's nothing. There's no issue yep. with those posts. And I'm like going, so there was no rot damage, no nothing. And I was like, okay, so maybe that works. It, there's a company in the states called uh, Fence Armor, I think. Okay. And what they do is they have these wraps, and it's almost like. Uh, the tar membrane they put on flat roofing. Yeah. So you pretty much just slide it over your post and you just heat it up. It's like shrink tube. Wow. So you just measure where your, you know, where your uh, concrete and grade is going to be. Put it right there. Heat it up. Shrinks to the post. And then you just throw the post. That's pretty slick. I like that. It. Yeah. And then you pour the concrete and everything's fine. Exactly. I stay away from wood because I hate the fact that. It yeah. Rocks. Let's go back to that because I know you like nowadays you guys are focusing more on that. What <laughs> my biggest problem with wood Eight feet's too far apart. Yeah. That's the number one thing. And the only reason it's eight feet is because guess what? PT is two by four by eight, right? And and I'm like, so what 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 issues do you have with the with the wood side of things? Uh well, we still like we'll do bigger wood commercial projects and stuff like that. They're not requested as often. But the reason we got out of it on the residential side, number one, guys are doing it for nothing. And so it's a it's a race to the bottom, man. It is, right? Like we got overhead, we got a warehouse, a shop office you know multiple trucks stuff like that how many employees uh we're about 10 right now okay so we so keep it's a it, big outfit yeah well we're decent size like they're definitely bigger out there but we try to be as efficient as possible everyone has a problem with finding labor now so i kind of looked at it from uh how can my tools better serve me and my equipment better serve me so now with skid steers you can pretty much get any attachment you want pour concrete cut concrete we have an attachment it's called an easy hog and it rolls out the chain link at tension really yeah so you know uh previous methods would be you would get five guys yeah start rolling rolls out and then they would start throwing them up and join them together so now you just have one guy in his skid steer he picks up the roll he clips it on these clips on the inside clip it to your one side wow. and just drive and then when you get to the other side it's going to be tight so you're you're incredibly efficient man you're eliminating three guys on site in three different steps it's kind of a nice move because oh, because we know how difficult it is to find the guys be, to begin with, right? We're relying a lot on our equipment nowadays. So, so are the guys realizing find... that? Are they seeing the business model turning into being more efficient machinery-wise? Yeah, well, we've always been about efficiencies, right? Okay. So productivity, how can we be as efficient as possible? Over the years, you know, we've learned different ways to kind of uh, get things done faster without risking quality. But yeah, these guys, but these guys love it. These guys love it. Like my guys, all of them can operate machines. And when they get a new attachment, they love it, right? I mean, why, why wouldn't you love it? Because the truth is that you've got a scope, you've got a task, and we burn it out and we accomplish it in one day yep. versus having to possibly come back the second day, Absolutely. ramp up that speed again and get the work completed the second day or the third day. Yeah, it well, makes a lot of sense. For a thousand feet of chain link, let's say eight foot commercial chain link, it'd take a normal four guy team maybe three days. Four days if they're really good and they know what they're feet. doing. A thousand linear feet. Okay. Eight foot high. Eight foot high. Yeah. So if they really know what they're doing, they'll get it done in four days with no issues. With the equipment we have now, the mesh pullers and stuff like that, two guys, two and a half, three days, same thing. So you're cutting down on your labor wow. costs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Your actually profitability is a lot oh, higher at that time. It goes through the roof. It goes through the roof. So you what's the cost of that attachment versus, I guess, the cost of labor? That attachment, you're looking at about 20 grand with all the different features. That makes so much sense, man. It's, it's a no-brainer. You wow. know what I mean? That could 20 grand is, you know, a month's labor at a four-man crew, right? So 
How are you handling? I mean, you're doing eight foot. I can only assume with correctional institutions. Oh yeah, we've, they're taller. We've done as high as uh, the highest I've ever done was twenty. Twenty feet. Yeah, so it was actually an interior fence. It was inside a recycling uh, facility, and it was just cut off one side of the building to the other, and it was floor to ceiling, twenty feet. Yeah. Wow. Just like yeah, Costco's too. We've done a couple of Costco's. They're about and they're that high feet. as well too. Yeah. So they don't make mesh that tall. So you'll double up either if it's twenty, you'll go two tens. If it's you know eighteen, you'll go two nines or something like that. So I mean, let's get right to it because obviously the pandemic has created a greed. Metal is just stupid expensive. Yeah. How are you guys surviving now? Are you just pushing that? Well, what else are you gonna do, man? You got to pass it on to the you client. have to as right? much as we don't want to. What am I gonna? You know, we're in this to make money, right? I'm here to feed my family and stuff like that. So you got to pass it on to the client. Uh, we try to be as transparent as possible. Like I send my clients my like the emails from my suppliers saying, hey, there's an increase on this. Uh, the problem I'm having the most with it is they're not giving us a heads up, effective immediately. You know so they're I mean? almost just like, it's. I guess it's almost like being a drug dealer on the side of the street and going, no, no, yeah. that was last week's price, man. This is what's going exactly. on this week. Exactly. I got a. I got an increase on Friday. Friday, as of yesterday, as I was leaving the office, got an email, 8%. On what number increase is that for this year? Uh, 8%. Yesterday. No, but what, which, how many times have they increased this year? If we go through the emails... You can't even keep up from with... From beginning of pandemic to now, just from my one fence supplier, I could probably pull up eight or nine material increase. Are we emails. not producing our own... <laughs> That's what I always wondered. I'm trying to figure out, are we not? So we're eliminating, are we not eliminating any kind of shipping container china influences are we what i've heard from some of our suppliers and stuff like that is the way the system works in canada 90 percent of the raw materials is here it What's gets missing? sent to the states for okay. processing okay and then it gets sold back to us as a finished product lovely so government made those deals if you really think about it where's the manufacturing canada right yeah now? it's gone it's missing. They all, well, that's, again, government. Absolutely. They it all, all starts from the top. We, we could have been such a hugely self-sufficient yep. nation. We could have Absolutely. been a, a global leader. Yeah, fuels, woods, everything. steels, everything. everything. The everything. amount of square footage, we're only second to Russia. Yep. You know what I mean? And the amount of raw material that we have, we're, we're like, we're up there. It's a, well, when the wood prices started going up, I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, with all the wood we have in Canada... But then again, it's all it's getting get, sent to the States, getting milled sent, down, and yeah. then sold to us at a premium. And then sold back at us, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, so I mean, how are we supposed to survive at that point? We're still mom and pops. Yeah. We're still small shops here. Everybody's all, like, this is all 70s, 80s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, where it was all small business people setting up shops and making a living and providing for their family. How can you do that today? Like, I can't picture your generation going, I want to start a mom and pop shop. Why would you? How? Why would you? You can't. It's almost impossible. Unless you, you'll you have be a buried before you start. Yeah. Unless you have a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea, you got to put everything into it and you're going to be eating scraps. If yeah. You, you know, and it's sad because this, my dad always told me, think about the 70s and 80s. A lot of the houses, like you said, it was the, the, the father going to work. You know, you would work. In a factory, making an honest wage. Mother, maybe she worked, maybe she didn't. A little part-time thing. If she worked, yeah. She yeah. was working at a grocery store as yes. a cashier. Yes. Multiple kids in the house. Most of the time, most of the kids all went to school. Yes. Multiple cars. Yes. And they enjoyed their lives. Yeah. Right? So where is that gone? Because prices of houses used to be what? Maybe 
10 times. I just had Mike here who's from the Hamilton area. And back in those days, houses were 20,000, yeah. 25,000, yeah. just the house. Yeah. People are paying more for tax on the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like given with inflation and the rise, it's all relative. But if you look at it, I think my grandfather bought his house for like 50 grand in like 68 or 69. I mean, in all fairness, interest rates were in yeah. the teens. Yeah. But but that was five times his salary. Like he was making maybe yeah. 10 grand a year. Yeah. So five times for price a 50,000 mortgage. Exactly. It, it makes sense. Today, I guess the average person 20 times. is made. Yeah. They're, they're, they're maybe struggling at 60 or 70 K yep. a year. That's their wage, but you're being offered 1.2 million for Easily. a home. Easily. So we're, there's a huge discrepancy at that point. Yep. And it's not survival. We're turning into renters, not owners. Yeah. There's so much money in this country, but the ownership, I feel like it's not in this country. I feel wow. like we let a lot of foreign money come in, buy up businesses, buy up land, houses, real estate. I was in the West Coast last year uh, on a trip with my girlfriend. And we we're driving from Vancouver to Calgary, the whole, you know, I've done that back in that. my Beautiful. 20s. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Anyone in, who hasn't been to the West Coast that lives do in this it. country, you have to and do, do it. it by road. You have to. Yeah. Do it. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. So anyways, we were uh, we were where they put that last railroad tie. Okay. It's like the famous yeah, tourist yeah, yeah. spot. Yeah. So we we're there. We saw a couple there. They were in their mid 40s. And uh, my girlfriend asked, can you take a picture? They're like, sure. So we started talking to them. They were cattle ranchers from northern Alberta. Okay. Four generations, wow. cattle ranchers. Wow. So uh, the gentleman, he had 4,000 or 5,000 acres in northern Alberta, been in the family for 100 years. There were four other cattle ranches around him. Three of the four all sold to foreign, and now they're working on the farm still. For them? Yeah. They kept them cattle yeah. ranches? Yeah, yeah, kept them cattle ranchers. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it 100 years, but... Let's buy the lot and make. Why the would they profit. sell? I guess it's, it's the, the money. The payday it's was the just money. too good. So even he got an offer, and he got an offer, and he's like, "I didn't sleep for weeks because I I turned it down." Yeah, but he's he's still contemplating it. Yeah. Oh yeah, because the money. Was, the money is too good. You know what I mean? It's. But he said no. He's like, it's been in the family for a hundred years. He's like, after he saw the other three sold, he's like, there's no way I'm selling. It's really, I mean, at that point, it's hard to make that decision. But it I, can, I can understand the ones that did agree to of it. Of course. Because they're trying to look out for their best yep. interests of the family later yep. on. But it's, uh, what are you really giving up? I mean, that kind of goes back to Yellowstone, where it's like, like, how much can you really give exactly. up at that point? Exactly. And do you really want to give it up, right? Because then uh, new owners means they can do whatever they want with whatever the land Whatever they want. Now. They can shut it down tomorrow. And like, and there's a fear of like you're taking all this land and it's land that's being used properly for cattle or yep. for forestation or whatever. What are you going to do? Put a resort on there? Are you going to make it recreational? Are you going to start taking the wildlife out of its own capacity? Like it, you can't do that. Well, uh, my thought process is uh, everyone sees the real estate boom here in Canada right now. Yeah. And everyone wants a piece of it, whether it's building, developing, whatever it is. Because it's going to get to a certain of course. point. Of course. But I recently saw a, a little graph thing. Uh, with Canada speaking uh, strictly, something about 70% of our population is right at where we are right now. The majority of it is that whole belt from Windsor all yep. the way to, uh, I guess, Montreal. Yep. That little belt right there, 70% of the country is right there. Oh, easily. But yet the entire country and the price of it has is gone up. astronomical. Yep. Like, it's just insane. I guess it's just because that little small portion of Canada is dictating that the prices should Absolutely. be this much for the rest of the Absolutely. country. I think, like you said, too, it has to do a lot with leadership. It all starts at the top. Yeah, uh, I think they saw this coming, 
And I don't think they try to get ahead of it when they could have. Yeah. I think it's been a little too late. Or if they late. wanted to. Oh, yeah. But right. when they dropped rates at the beginning of the pandemic to record lows, yeah, it was a frenzy. It was an absolute frenzy. People I know were buying houses, equipment, cars, you name it. Because where else are you going to find a And it's just going rate? up. Yeah, I mean, off mic before we got started, we were talking about $100,000 pickup trucks, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was recently at Tool Academy there at the event, uh, the trade event there, and now I bumped into Matt MMC, and I just saw a brand new truck, brand new <laughs> truck, brand new truck. And then he just turns to me and he says, yeah, man, you about a million dollars worth of trucks. Easily. And there's 10, 12, 13 trucks, a million dollars worth of trucks. I, To be honest, I think everyone I know in the trades got a new truck through the pandemic. At a, like at that price point, 70, 80, Well, whatever 90K? it was, right? Like I got my truck now. It's a 3,500 Chevy. So I got it, I want to say February of 2021. Okay. And Landscape Ontario, which we're a part of, they were still giving out discounts on Chevy GMs. Okay. They recently stopped all of that. How much of a discount? Uh, you would get a good amount. Like I think I saved about six. And they eliminated that discount yeah. now? Well, GM and Chev said we're not doing this discount anymore. <sighs> Right, so because they want to make more money, of course. Like right. I told you, I got offered for my truck for six grand more than what you year. paid for yeah. it. And they're you're not the only one; they're doing that there. Oh yeah. Well, now I, I was reading too; they can charge more than sticker legally at the dealerships. But that's government mandated, where you're not allowed consumer protected. Yeah. Oh, you're not allowed. I heard they now, got rid of that. Oh, did they get rid of that? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. I was reading something where now dealers can charge higher. Stickers. I know that's going on in the states. Okay. States is totally doing that because w- when I got rid of my van, I mean, I got it for a tasty price as well, and I even asked, "Is this going down to the states?" Yep. And they're like, "No, no, no." But I'm hearing that a lot of vans are going down to states oh, because absolutely. there's no limit on what you could charge now. Yep. For that van, and someone will pay that. That's the scary thing. Oh, absolutely. Someone will pay it if someone needs something. Uh, they'll pay for it. Uh, I've heard stories because there's nothing on the market right now. One of my f- good friends right now, he just needs a truck. Like his one truck's falling apart. He needs to get another one for one of his crew. And uh, he says, he's like, the price are crazy, but I don't have much of a choice because there's nothing out there. I know, but okay, so let's just look back at mom and pop small business yeah. mentality, right? You buy a new truck, let's say at the beginning of the pandemic. You pay, for argument's sake, 80 grand. Yep. You're driving it, and all of a sudden your dealer, your salesperson comes back and go, listen, I will give you 90 grand for that truck. You drove it for a year. He turns around and takes that truck and sells it for a hundred grand. Now you need to buy another van. So now you're going to buy a hundred thousand dollar pickup truck. So as a business, you were driving perfectly fine in 80,000, you were paying it down. And now a year and a half later, you buy a hundred thousand. So now you're paying more and you've actually spent another 20 grand on top of that. How are you making money? How are you making your business survive that way? I think a lot of the guys want the flashy new shiny truck. I think a lot of guys think it's a marketing tool, which I can agree with to a certain extent. But like, what's the ratio here? So marketing-wise, the 2021 pickup truck that you paid for 80 versus the tr- pickup truck that you bought 2022, you paid 100. Where's the market marketing difference? For 20 grand, I don't know. But like you've said it before on the show, a lot of these guys don't know their numbers. They don't pay attention to they it. They don't. They don't. They just... Oh, I have money in my pocket at the end of the day. I must have made something today. You know what I mean? I really, uh, when I got into the back end of the business about three, four years ago, I really started, you know, jumping into the counting, into the books, and I crunched the numbers down. I want to know everything. What does that truck cost me the second it drives two feet off the lot? You know what I mean? So a lot of guys don't know their numbers. They think I have money in the account. I can afford the new pickup truck. 
right? Like I was always taught because I'm third generation. I was raised by that old school, not even my dad, my grandfather mentality. Prepare for the days. His mentality was if you, if you don't have the money for it, you don't buy it. Yeah. There's no such, there was no such thing as credit with him. He always told me no one can come to my yard or my site and say I owe money on material yep. Yep. or a truck. He's like, we own everything here. And we got away from ownership. It, it went into borrowing, you know, credit. They were enticing people with good rates and, you know, we'll throw this in. That's if you just sign sales the lease. people Absolutely. just doing what they're doing. Absolutely. But yeah. he always taught me, if you don't have the money for it, you don't buy it. I mean, that's what Jay-Z's always said. Yep. You can't buy it twice. You shouldn't buy you it shouldn't once. You shouldn't buy it once. Period. Exactly. But I mean, we haven't even spoken about fuel. Like I saw DGR, George, doing a post recently where they've got a tank yeah. at their yard and they fill it up. And then he's like going, I think he actually, I don't know if this is, I got to look at it again. Seven grand to fill up this tank. Oh, easily. That's, easily. that's the current cost of the, like the, the cost of that fuel. So then when his trucks or all the vehicles show up, all the machinery and they feel, they feel up at the start of the day, they don't have to worry about that on the job site. But seven grand, man. I think it's like two forty-five a liter right it's now. It's insane. Diesel, so are, is, are are tradespeople factoring this shit in? You have to. You so have to. I've always factored in fuel, because at the end of the day, even now with fuel raising, it's still the same kilometers for me to get to that site. Yeah. But now it's costing me more money, or that machine. If it was running for two hours, it was costing me let's say a hundred bucks in fuel. Now it's costing me two. I would love somebody specifically for the construction industry to come up with an app that you can just have on your phone at any given time. Like tracks your fuel? Tracks your business for those kinds of things where you've got a job, you input the cost of that job, what you sold it to the client, and now you also input your employees, your machinery, your overhead, you do everything. And then on a daily basis, including fuel or whatever you have to buy for that job, you watch the return on investment. You watch the profitability yep. go up or down, up or down based on what's being. I think there are a couple apps out there. I think the problem with them right now, they're not user friendly enough. Yeah. For the construction. You know how well, we're dinosaurs. That would be, yeah, that would be industry. very intimidating to yeah. look at this. But I mean, wouldn't it be interesting all of a sudden you see a day and you see the gas go up 10 cents or whatever it is. And now you see your profitability go down. That would be a light bulb oh, in your absolutely. head to wake you up, right? Absolutely. You get a bunch of red across a spreadsheet. Yes. And then you're really thinking. You're like, hang right? on a sec. Yeah, this yeah, job yeah. is not going to make the profit I thought it was going to make at the end of the day. Exactly. Which you should be paying attention to, which goes back to your mentality. Your, your grandfather and your father where it's like we don't want to have any of these issues yep. we, we want to make sure we own all this stuff so then we know exactly how much profit we're exactly. making it's exactly it's really critical that anybody in the construction industry understand their profit the numbers don't get understood yeah if it, for most guys too you know how it is they're the accountant they're the trades guy can't do they're, that man you can't, you we're can't not wear good all at the that hats, right i'm not gonna weld anything because it's not that's not who exactly. i am i'm gonna hire somebody to do that it's applicable to the books and hire you know what? somebody i think absolutely hire someone but you need to be there too whether for sure you fully grasp it or not you need to be understanding what's coming in what's going out what does this guy cost you is is uh you're one guy more efficient than another why you know what i mean it's just data analyze at the end of the day business. we're in this to make money yeah uh, we're all in it because we're passionate about it we, we love, love it, it but we get out of bed to feed our families yeah right and you got to make it's, i bet you half the residential companies even a lot of the commercial companies out there that are smaller they have no idea what their margins are they're no living clue. job to job yep it's this is the material i need for the job buy it the labor is costing me this much. Oh, maybe I'll spend this much on travel and stuff like that. 
leaves me with this much in my pocket. But they're not factoring half their overhead, which a lot of guys don't do. They're not factoring what is your insurance cost you every day. And they'll do it at the end of the year when yep. their accountant is actually telling everything up. Exactly. But you've already paid out all your suppliers. You've already exactly. paid out your employees. And then now you're left holding, holding a bag that's absolutely empty. Yep. Yep. And, and that's a scary to a thing to happen. I mean, you're the quarterback of the company, and that's scary at that point. And the worst part about it is a lot of these guys give some killer work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they end up going to work for another company because they just didn't know their numbers and their books, and they just couldn't do it anymore. You know what happens, John, is that that tradesperson or that business owner goes through this. They have that wake-up light bulb moment at the end of the year. They realize, I didn't make anything. Yep. All my guys made money. All yep. the suppliers made money, everybody. But once I actually calculated everything, I didn't make anything. Yep. You know what's going to happen is that following year that's coming, that person, that business owner, that project manager is going to go to the job site with such a defeated feeling on them. Absolutely. I'm not interested in being here because I didn't make anything I just lost before. money all last year. I just lost year. money all last year. While I thought I was making money yes. the whole year. So right? I'm not a happy camper now. And it's going to reflect on your sales yep. process. Yep. Absolutely. You're not, you're not going to be the driven person that you were the before. The quality of work will go down. Yes. The morale amongst your guys will go down. And then the worst thing you can do is go back to your guys, your team yep. and your suppliers and go, listen, no, you got to lower it. You start creating friction. Exactly. You start creating issues. Then they don't want to work for you anymore. No. They leave. Then you're left holding it. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. So you got to do what everybody else is doing. Pay attention to your bottom line, man. Yep. Uh, one of my good buddies, he asked me to help him price out a bigger job. It was one of the first bigger projects he was taking on. And I was explaining to him, you got to separate yourself from the company. You are two different entities. Even yeah. though you are the owner, you also the worker. So you got to pay yourself for the work you're doing. Yes. And you got to make sure the company makes money because that's what we're doing it for. But a lot of guys, I feel like they fuse the two together. They do. You know, me and the company are one, which you can't. It's a separate entity. And that's how you always have to look at it. Which, and okay, I'll go back to custom resi. The problem sometimes is you get clients that don't like seeing two line items for that. So they'll look at it like, oh, hang on a sec. We're paying you. This is your fee for being a, a PM or whatever it is. But then here's your company's profit. They don't like seeing those. They they assume your fee is the profit. Yeah. yeah. So if it's 10% for you and 10% for the company, they like it. I don't like that. That should be 15%. You know, and then that's not fair at that point. Absolutely. Not. I'm an employee. I'm managing this job. I'm taking care of it. You're contacting me. I'm working it. I'm scheduling trade. I'm doing everything. Plus, the business needs to run. Yep. So the business needs to have profit. And that's why there's two separate fees. But we get that conversation with clients. Absolutely. And uh, I think on the commercial industrial side of things, it's a, a little easier to explain to the clients. You're tendering and you have yeah, it all exactly. laid out, right? That's a whole other animal, bids and tenders. Like. Well, okay. Is it true? Because I, I never got into commercial, but I never liked... There's a lot of favoritism in tendering. Absolutely. And I don't like that. Like it, 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 like the process of tendering should honestly be a company coming in and submitting their best offer yep. and competing against other people. It shouldn't be the favoritism, so to speak. It's a lot of favoritism and also it's lowest price, which I think is a good and a bad because there's... A, because I actually follow all my competitors. Okay. If you guys are listening to this right now, <laughs> I, I'm looking at every job you're bidding on. Yeah. So I have a bidding software where I type in their name and I can track everything they're bidding on, following. That's called business research and development. Absolutely. That's all it is, Absolutely. man. I follow my GCs. What are they bidding on? Yeah. You know, so if they, you know, one of their uh, estimators forgot to send something, I email them. Hey, I noticed you're bidding on this project. You guys need me to price anything else. That's just smart salesmanship. It's, at that it's point. just easy. Yeah. It's easy. Like you you're aware of your surroundings. Exactly. 
there are three companies I track. If I know they're bidding on a project, I won't even bother. Because I know you they do know for already. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's smart to do that. Hey, I, I check, hey, what have you guys won in the last year? And then I'll go back to that project a year ago. I'll look at the, the specs. I'll price it out. I'll be like, okay, you guys did it for a fair price. Or you guys did it for nothing. Yeah. Right? But it's a lot of guys waste times on bids and tenders. I'll know within five minutes if I want to bid on it. Knowing already that you're even a, a consideration at that point. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of times, too, you're pre-qualified. Got it. So they'll be like, uh, here's a project. We have five pre-qualified companies that we're picking. Only these five companies. They go as high as five? Uh, five, three, ten. Ten? Yeah, yeah. Like on the big road. That's a little greedy, no? Or On the big road infrastructure projects, you got to let all the big guys in on it. Wow. You know what I mean? So I've seen, uh, we had one project where there was two pre-qualified bidders. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's kind of what the scope of work is. What do they have in their system for pre-qualified contractors? Like uh, a lot of the big government stuff we do, corrections, petrochemical yep. stuff like that, it's yeah. all pre-qualified. I don't want to get into trouble. I don't want to knock yeah, on the no, door no. or anything like that. But I mean, are there tendering going on where somebody brings a birthday cake and there might be something else in the cake <laughs> instead of the, you know what I mean, in the box? Uh, to be honest, <laughs> it's gotten, I feel like it's gotten more honest. If okay. that makes any sense. Really? Well, I've heard stories Legit. from the past. I've okay. heard stories from the past. Okay, yeah. Right? I've only assumed this stuff, right? Like, my dad's told me stories how it was back in the day and stuff like that, and I couldn't believe some of the things he was telling me, right? I'm yeah. like, that shit that would can't not be fly true. today. No yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, case of wine going out <laughs> and stuff like that. But, uh... <laughs> well, you know, they're surviving. They're yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to get the well, job. Back yeah. in the day, too, it wasn't as much as bids and tenders. It's personal relationships. It was all relationships, guys, yeah. Right? Even with the bigger corporations. Which is a shame that it's not like that today. It is. But I guess it's fair competition. Competition it now. is, you which got, I appreciate. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, how would I have, you know, our company would have ever gotten of course. if it was like that, of right? Course, so you yeah. got to have an opening for people to come in, which creates healthy competition, yeah. right? And I believe that competition is what's created some of the greatest economies in the world. Yeah. States, us, you know, the UK, stuff like that. That's how you learn new techniques. Absolutely. That's how you share that stuff yep. and how, how you build all, well, you go back to the nation. Yep. How you build a very strong nation, which is what I think we've been lacking for the last little while, that we are such a competitive, great country, but we're not acting as if. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I don't. And that goes back to what we discussed. Starts from the leadership. Yep. There's a lot of greediness going on from the leadership when it's scary when certain individuals in the leadership positions had a certain net worth at the beginning of the pandemic and how they've ten times. I can't even say yeah. I, I, October, like I eight ten times more. How are they making so much more money while the rest of us are struggling? And then you go to their government salaries and you see they're only making... It doesn't add you know up. Like I mean? if you were making this much and then all of a sudden two years gone by, how the hell did you get to this number? But it's so funny because it's all there right in front of us. Yeah. And Public record. Nothing's done about and it. And nothing. And that's what my frustration is that as a nation, why can't we uprise and discuss this going, that's not right? It's it the, should be 100% transparent. I try not to get too political with this stuff, but... I believe the division that's been caused through oh, this pandemic, it's, it's you're on one side or you're on it the other. It was done on purpose, and it's exactly Absolutely. it. And whoever's not noticing this division is just completely blind to everything. Families. Yeah. Families. Oh, which is just insane. Which, uh, you know, Christmas dinners, yeah. he's not coming because he's not vaccinated. It's just a he stupid conversation at that he, point. We're not wearing masks or whatever it is. I believe do what you need to do yes. to protect you and your family. Yes. You know, always also be conscious of society. That's what makes us, you know, the country we are. But at the end of the day, 
pointing fingers and you know you're a threat to this or you're a threat to that it's all division that's all that it, that's it's what you're creating division. at that time yep. Yep. which is not what us being immigrants and also what this country was never built on right that's the scary part of it right but i mean i, I want to go forward and just start talking about i mean it's refreshing you're 26 you shouldn't be thinking this way. You shouldn't be thinking about a potential recession. You should be thinking about going back to your numbers and preparing and, and observing and paying attention to. Why the hell are you thinking that way, man? I heard about 19, was it 1990? Yeah. My dad told me about 1990. Because he went through it. He went through it. And yeah. he said, John, he's like, to not get one phone call. It was, it was, year. that was a, had, he that, said it that was, was bad. A, it was bad. He said it was bad. Yeah. He said they were selling. You know, half a million dollar homes for 200 grand. Yeah. Foreclosures, just trying to get rid of them. Yeah. He told me about it. And what was that, 30 years ago? Yeah. Something's got to give. We kind of missed 08 from what he told me. We didn't get 08. The US got 08. They got it, kind of skipped us. Our dollar actually went up, right? Yeah. So actually, 08 was all right. But now, interest rates going up. Come on, guys. With inflation, inflation, the prices, gas, it, bank rates, something has to give. Yeah, something has to give. So just from strictly him telling me what happened in '90, I wanted to prepare ourselves for what possibly would happen now. Because to be honest, the pandemic, I, I don't know about other construction companies, but it was booming. Yeah, like we didn't slow for, it down. No, we didn't stop. We didn't slow it down. We stopped the first month. Uh, you know, when everyone was kind of unsure what was going on, yeah. people were still wiping their fucking groceries down. Uh, <laughs> I never understood yeah, that. Everyone, yeah, I, you I know, know, I know, I was watching the news nonstop, uh, everyone. But um, when the pandemic started, we were done for about a month until we figured it out. And then we found out we were safety and security. Yeah. So we we're deemed essential no matter yeah. what. But it was booming for us. I'm not going to lie. And it has it been great. for two yeah, years. Yeah, it's been great for yeah. two years. But how long are you going to ride it? Be prepared. You know what I mean? Like the last year, I made sure we were lean. You know, not too many payments going out. Not much. We're not really buying anything right now. I, like I told you, I put a deposit on a truck that's fully refundable in yeah, a year, yeah, right? Yeah. So I can kind of gauge what happens. But yeah, we keep it lean. We bought two machines last year, 0% financing. They offered. We jumped on it. No problem. That's a good deal. Yeah, you know what I mean? Free yeah. money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we just keep it lean. Not too many payments going out, not too much owed right now. And that's how we're just going to prepare, right? Because at the end of the day, as sad as it is that a recession might hit, recessions come with opportunities for people. Of course. So if you're prepared, you can jump on big opportunities. You'll see. Absolutely. And then you can weather the storm. Yep. So I tell people all the time, you know, just be prepared for it. It might not, I'm no, you know, economist or whatever it is. Yeah. But what goes up must come down. And where we are right now is unsustainable. Because it will get to a point where the client says, yeah. I'm not paying for these material increases anymore. But they still are, though. They that's still the are. Thing about they it. still are. And that's why I think it's a lot of greed where, hey, they're still paying for it. Keep jacking these prices up. Why wouldn't you? Even 10 years ago with the mortgage, like everybody, Vancouver was insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Where you saw complete teardown shacks that were selling for $1.5 million. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, everybody was just like, there's a bubble, there's a bubble, there's a bubble. And there was never a bubble. But it doesn't it doesn't preclude you from actually ha this happening now that this bubble is still going. And I still think even with the U S back in 08, when that hit with the, 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 the housing problem that they had, it literally was almost like a switch. Yep. It overnight, like overnight, overnight, like it's just boom, boom, yep. boom. And that's why I'm saying, sure. A lot of guys right now, a lot of tradespeople in the industry are booked and they got a lot of work and all this other stuff, but that could stop. And I think you just got to, like you said, you got to stay lean. You just yep. got to prepare for it. If it doesn't happen, then guess what? You actually just increased your profitability exactly. because you've been staying lean. 
Exactly. Right? So you've been not overbuying your infrastructure. I love reinvesting. Yeah. I believe that's the only way to grow. You got to keep pumping money into your business, right? This year it was different. I'm like, I'm not pumping money into the business because I want to be prepared in case shit hits the fan. Yeah. Right. So every year I always want, you know, I want new machines. I want new trucks. I want to get more crew in, start doing more jobs. But in a situation like this, do you pull the trigger on, you know, a, a lease or a finance on a new truck, a new machine, you know, new tools to outfit that whole crew? You're looking at 100, 150 grand. And, and if shit does hit the fan and a recession hits, that 150 grand, you know, that pays your rent for a year. Yeah. Right. So we now, just. Now is not the time to do that. No, no. I tell, like, for example, like I told you, we bought those two machines, 0% financing. Yeah. No problem with it. This one truck we were going to get six months ago, they were asking for six and a half percent on a finance. Six and a half percent? Six and a half percent. And that's tier one credit score. Like we were in the tier one of, of their credit department and it's six and a half points. Why are they asking for so much? Because they know shit's going to hit the fan. So they just want to lock you yeah, in at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. They, then they basically it's security for exactly. them. Exactly. Because now you just but bought this truck. as a business owner, you can't agree to six no, and a half, man. No. It's impossible. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I did the math on it. I think it was 30 grand over the five-year term. Like that's insane. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? It benefits them. It doesn't benefit Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. How is it going to benefit you? Wow. But that's the raising rates. Right? Wow. And I tell people all the time, pay attention. You know, a couple of my friends who've bought houses recently, variables. I'm like, guys, be careful, please. Wow. But what blows my mind even more, the stories I'm hearing about parents remortgaging their houses to give their kids down payments. It blows my mind. I don't, I don't. It's interesting because I come, I guess, from a generation, and you probably are aware of this as well, too, is that, you know, at a certain age, we get to 60s, 70s, and 80s. You, first of all, you shouldn't have any financial issues. No. Like you, you should literally, literally have a surplus of money yeah. that you can just dip into. And if you want, take a vacation or two or three a year and enjoy life and enjoy those years because those are your remaining years, right? You worked for, for it. Exactly. You worked for it. And you as a, as a grandparent or as a parent having to remortgage or take out a big chunk of your savings to give it to your millennial or give it to your grand or whoever it is. It doesn't matter who it is. So they can overbuy a property. An inflated piece of property, right? Because it makes it, no sense It me. blows my mind because, I mean, I, I think it was Bethany that was on the show recently and she was telling me how these younger people that are buying homes, they're looking at $2 million properties getting a million dollars from their parents and their divorced parents and everybody else and then pooling that money together and getting that million dollar deposit and then purchasing that house. Yep. But then they're telling their friends and their network that we paid a million dollars. Exactly. I'm like, no, you didn't pay a million dollars. You paid two million. But now have you left the people that gave you money in a bad predicament? You left them in a horrible predicament. Because we're only growing older yep. longer. So it, it remember I don't, you probably don't your dad probably remember Freedom Fifty Five. There was that whole mentality of how no you, yeah. So it's a, it was like a life insurance policy where you know you pay into it so much and you can retire at fifty five. And I'm like, yeah, sure. When people were destined to live to sixty five or seventy max at the time, now men and women are destined to live to their mid to late eighties. Yep. So if you're in your sixties and all of a sudden you got you're twenty taking, years left, yeah, yeah. You have to still survive yeah, for those absolutely. years. And now you've got your kids that really want that $2 million house in the core of Toronto that needs to be renovated. Whoa. Now you ask for 100 grand from them, 100 grand from that. Well, I think the pension system's a bit of a scam, too. Uh, it's, I don't first of all, get into it, that it, too much, don't, even, don't even like, okay, uh, it's not enough to live. No. My he, grandmother, she cries. She's like, John, 40 years, they 
took from my paycheck. Deductions, deductions, deductions. You, they're giving her eight, nine hundred bucks a month, whatever it is. You can't survive you know on that. I mean? like, and even our own government old age security, you can't survive no. on that. We're in construction. We're in trade. We're self-employed. Yep. I've told this over and over. Do not ever count on any kind of government assistance, pension, no, or anything you that you can. paid into. Do not count on that. You better literally, for lack of a better word, be saving cash underneath yep. in your mattress. Yep. You better be. Literally. What but else are you going to do? Because if it. you get hurt, like I'm still on the tools. Yeah. My dad's still on the tools, right? Like we, he always believed you should never truly get off the tools. Because even though you're the owner, you know, you're bouncing from site to site. If the guys need help, you know, jump on jump the hammer in. drill. Yes. And that's how we always are. You yeah. know, like I'm going after this, I'm going to a site to go help the boys. Nice. Saturday, <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get it's it a done good early. sunny day. It's, exactly. not too, it's not too cold. But if I get hurt, then what? It's perishable. Yep. That's what I've always said. We are in an industry where you have a perishable skill. Yep. And so if you don't take care of your body, I get it that you're in your 20s. Trust me, man. We're all in our 20s and 30s. Well, I think I'm indestructible. Yeah, we're Superman. <laughs> we're all it. Superman, right? But the thing is, it's still a perishable yep. item. And, and if you don't take care of it, you could have an issue. You can have a bad knee, a bad back, a bad arm, but whatever. And then if something terribly happens, right? That's the other story. But even when you get older in your 50s and 60s, you can't lift, swing, no, move. No, no. As often, the same way. Eventually, you and you still want to be able to be a vibrant old person, enjoy your life. Because it go back to, you're gonna live to your 80s, man. Yep. Like you, technically speaking, when you get to that point, you're gonna potentially be able to live to in your 90s. Yeah, yeah. You know, Based barring on any, any, yeah, exactly. Yeah, barring yeah. any major things yep. that are going on, but if you just take care of yourself, you could live to your yep. 90s easily. So you're gonna retire in your 60s, and now you got 30 years of <laughs> exactly. life to enjoy. Now, do you want to be enjoying it as a broken person or you want to be enjoying it as a, exactly. as a person, right? So, exactly. it's yeah, we all got to be conscious well, of that. Well, I see my dad now too, right? He's uh, He just turned 50 last year. He's still young. But yeah, I like young, man. You're still young, <laughs> right? But, I, you know, I see the the brokenness that he's, he's done kinks. to his bodies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. given, you know, 20 years ago, you guys didn't have the same education when it comes to take care, taking care of yourself and stuff like that. But I told my dad, I'm like, listen. You got to take care of yourself a little more, you know, diets, everything at this age, stuff like that. He's still in good shape, but, you know, just starting to get older, not as active, <laughs> right? So it just naturally, I mean, we can tell you young guys that that's what's going to happen. And, and like us, we didn't listen. You but just, you know what? A lot of you guys are still animals. And yeah. I tell everyone, I'm like, they're There's not machines built the out same. there. They're not built the same. Uh -huh. They're built differently. Like I'm in awe sometimes. I'll sit there and I'll watch like the, the older like Portuguese guy doing taping. Right, and I'll just sit there and watch him. This guy's like in his like just mid sixties, yeah. I know. And I'm like, you're still going? And he's like, oh yeah. One wake up call I had was a problem my first year in construction. Um, I hired a sub to do the plumbing, and we had to break the concrete in the in the basement, right? And um, this old guy comes in. Well, I mean, old guy at the time. So the guy would have been, I think, in his early sixties, and uh, he grabs a sledge. <laughs> and he and I goes, I'm sorry, man. Aren't you not going to use a, an SDS or Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, Caught it. And he looks at me like as if I just ran over a puppy or something. Yeah. And then he he beat the shit out of that concrete with a sledge, no problem, no problem. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah sorry, breaking. It was done in minutes, and I was like, going, what? It's that old school mentality. Yeah, you know, we need the tools. We need this. They did it without tools. Twenty dollars sledge, yeah. man. Like my my dad used to tell me, he's like, you guys are spoiled. <laughs> He's like, we didn't have we didn't have skid steers with mesh pullers and yeah, all this yeah, on. Yeah. You know, everything was dug by hand. He's like, you had a thousand foot fence line. He's like, in the late seventies. He's like, you're digging it by hand. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> I can't even imagine. You know, like we'll have to hand dig holes now and then. And I'm and I'm like, this sucks. 
I'm like, why would anyone want to hand dig a hole, right? <laughs> but it's, but you know what? I think the tools keep us, uh, keep the bodies. It, it helps. For long. It does. It helps. It does. I, I mean, in all fairness, the whole dust extraction, like the safety elements, that's, it's come leaps and bounds. Oh, safety's number one. It Always. should, it it should, should be. have been here a lot sooner. Yep. Uh, but I mean, yeah. And also the machinery helps your body as well Absolutely. too, right? Like even Hilti, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Hilti because yeah. I like what they do for the industry. I'm not a fan of how they fucking price it. Right? <laughs> it is what it is. They price it high. But even that like exoskeleton that they came out with last year. Okay. Like for uh, so it pretty much just supports your upper body. I saw yeah, that. It's like a skeleton. I, I saw that it's thing. Like a brace. Yeah. Yeah. So you know HVAC guys that are just hanging threaded rod, you know, overhead all day long, hammer drilling. It's helping epox- them. You know, it's just. I think it's a weight reduction of like 30% or something like that. Wow. Which is crazy, right? What's it the cost of that thing? I, I don't know. I think it was like three, four grand. <laughs> but then again, what's the cost of your body? Exactly. Right. right. So it's all comparable. But, yeah. uh, you know, once a company comes out with something like that, usually everyone else will follow. They'll, they'll follow it's soon. a hit. Exactly. Yeah. So. We'll see the competition drive prices down. And stuff well, like I mean, that. we've we've all seen sort of futuristic, I guess, construction or whatever, yeah. and, you, and you see robots creating certain tasks and, and things like that. But there's only so much of the industry that could be automated. Oh, absolutely. There's still that human element that the has human to touch. be. Yes. You know, the eye. Yes. Uh, I don't think you could ever teach a robot that. No. You know, like a bricklayer laying bricks. It's, it's feel for him, right? Yeah. Even a concrete guy. You Same know, thing. Finishing and edging, like it's all feel and know how. You know, there's there's certain things like I said, I always try to be efficient, you know, get the newest tool that will help. Uh when we tie fences, we still hand tie with pliers. So really? there are ties where you can just wrap them around and with a drill, it'll just twist it tight. I don't like them because number one, it's a barb sticking out after. Yeah. So that's a loss. You can't grind it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well guess, you can cut it off and but all you that. still got the twist on exactly, it. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. I can tie a fence faster than you can put those ties on and drill them. Really? And they were made for speed. But if you know what you're doing and have your proper techniques, you'll do it faster. Skill versus machinery at that point. So there are certain things where, like the mesh roller, for example, why would I bring five guys when I can just bring that? Yeah. But for tying, we'll do it by hand still because I think it's a better tie, number one. It's a tighter tie, more efficient, and we do it way faster. So where's the future of the, the business going? Like, where, Have you guys already started discussing where it's going to go? Uh, so I want to, I think the branding right now keeps us a little stuck at Arctic Fence. Uh, so my plan is to open you know, Arctic Construction Group and Got then it. have our Arctic Fence division, Arctic Concrete, Arctic Steel. But uh, get into I, hardscaping kind of thing or uh, just a little bit. We do a little bit of hardscaping, okay. mostly for us when it comes to like the full building envelopes. It's a lot of like leasehold improvements. Yeah. So we got a lot of big industrial clients, uh, you know, 50, 60,000 square foot warehouses. Either they'll buy it from a previous owner and be like, OK, John, we want new concrete here. Fix the fence lines, put a new gate system in, sod work, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Every I know where what we are capable of and what we're not. So if there's something we can't do, I'll tell them right away. But you want a client please too, right? Absolutely. So you guys just don't want to come in with one scope. No. You want to, like, they want to have a conversation when you go, listen, can you guys handle this? Or do you guys have a guy that yep. works with you? I, I tell my clients if I can't do it, I have or will either find yeah. the best guy to do it for you, right? Okay. So let me manage the project for you guys. I'll make sure that you guys don't have to deal with anything. 
And uh, it all gets done, like I said, on time, on budget, and quality is paramount for us. That's what I love about the industry is that when you do have a client and they trust you to a certain level. They'll trust you with everything. Exactly. And then they'll, just, they'll keep on asking yep. you this and this and this, right? Until they might get to a, a certain detail that doesn't even... Yep. It's not in your know, wheelhouse. Exactly. You know, listen, can you hang drapes or something? Yeah, like that? Exactly. No, no, no. We don't touch that kind of stuff, I had man. One, <laughs> one of my clients, a really good client of mine, he called me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, hey, you want to build a bridge? <laughs> I, you know what i appreciate your the first trust. thought is like you know actually i do want to build a yeah, bridge, yeah I'm like, but... you know what, that'd be pretty cool i appreciate the trust he has in me for yeah. as, even asking me something like that so i'm like do you have drawings <laughs> right? let me at least kind of look at what the scope is what kind of bridge are yeah, we talking exactly. about here well what it was it was at a mall okay so it was just a pedestrian bridge to connect one part of the building to the other it was only like a 40 foot span cantilevered and everything right? yeah. beams and all that when he sent me the drawing, so I'm like, okay, this is definitely something we can manage, you know, at least the steel portion of it. But when he said bridge, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about a bridge? So <laughs> what, are we going over the 401 or something? That's what I yeah, would be exactly, thinking too, yeah. Exactly. So I have one client we work with, and uh, one of their their operations manager, their general manager, older guy, and uh, he trusts me with a lot of things. And he pushes me out of my comfort zone. Like, he'll look at something, for example, there were some precast joints that just needed to get cocked, right? There was some water yeah. getting in it. He's yeah. like, John, can you take care of that for me? I'm like, yeah, I can take care of that for you. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, he pushed me out of my comfort zone, which I appreciate. We have a really good relationship, me and him. So he'll always see if I'm willing to try something either to actually do it or to manage it. Yeah. Right? So I appreciate it. We have some really good clients we work with, really good vendors. And even, you know, some of the big institutions we deal with, even though they're bids, bids and tenders, you're dealing with the same guys a lot. So you develop relationships with them and stuff like that. So That's building a business at yep. that point. But I've also seen the flip side of the pandemic where I felt our suppliers or the salespeople associated with the suppliers were dropping the customer service part of the business. They didn't give a shit. I think I have a bit of a reason why. From what I noticed from our vendors and suppliers, uh, a lot of the sales reps were new through the pandemic. They were coming into yeah. the industry? And you have to remember, like, the restaurant industry was, yeah, it was dismantled. Just... So you had a lot of guys where there's no blame to it, but the guy was a server for three years, and now they threw him in the chair to sell you composite decking yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? The education has to be there, too. Like, my dad always told me, you need to know the job to sell the job. It's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a lot of guys, they come in, and it's, uh, like, even for the fencing, for example, like, a lot of the sales reps, it's just, they've never installed a fence in their life. It's just per linear foot. I need they're, they're looking at it as a diagram, exactly. I guess. Exactly. My dad told me one story when he uh, did a project for a school board. It was a bit. He was younger. He was in his, like, early 20s. They went to the job five six big fence companies there all sales people and none of them actually put the work boots on so they're looking over the fence and my dad looked he said we can't put a fence here and they're like why they're like, he's like there was an old retaining wall here he's like they just patched over with the asphalt he saw it through the asphalt right the old retaining wall he said we're gonna have to core drill it the guy the head guy from the school would look and he's like okay my dad sent the price in he was higher than everyone they got the job and we were with that school board for about 15, 20 years. Wow. Yeah. But all because he He's noticed something that no one else noticed that yeah. would make the job harder. Yeah. So now that guy saw, hey, Steve from Arctic Fence noticed that right away. Instead of after they start doing it, going back to the client, hey, we need more money. I, I hate that. I hate asking a client. But that's for more the money. common. 
I try to act. see everything before it happens. Yeah. And you know what? There are times where it's like, fuck, there's no way we could have yeah, this. foreseen it or anything. Yeah, for but sure. I try to tell my clients, this is the price and it's going to get done with that price. I'm not going to come back to you for extra money. And we lose. You I know? mean, I, I love that your dad pulled that off because I've always said that engineers and architects should actually spend more time on the job site. And I also think that tradespeople should send, spend more time with engineers Absolutely. and architects and understand. So when they're on site, Understand that a site visit from an engineer or architect is not an hourly thing. They're on site until the task or the scope of the yep. meeting is defined and clear and everybody understands. So that's an opportunity for you to ask them as many questions as you want exactly. and educate yourself. So do that because it might benefit you later on. Well, it's this being on the same page. Right? That's all it is, man. It's, if I know how the engineer's thinking and the engineers know how, how I'm thinking as you an installer, together. Fuck, those drawings are going to be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, well, one and thing the final scope will be beautiful. Absolutely. And then you might also pull off what you da your yep. dad pulled off where you find a problem and you solve it right away versus other people who have not been around yep. that situation. They'll be scratching their head still clueless to it and they might grab their phone and Google search, okay, how do I solve this problem? Which that'll take longer than somebody who's actually done oh, it or been around well, it. Well, right? what he always told me is like, everything works on paper. <laughs> everything works on paper. Right? It's, in real it's life, beautiful. Oh, absolutely. I know, I but get in the reality. Sometimes I'm like, fuck, if this actually looks like what the drawing is, well, that's going to be awesome, right? But we've worked with some great engineers. One thing I've noticed about engineers, they overkill everything. They so have just to. Gonna, and I get it. Yeah. And you know what? They the don't know what's going to happen on site. I follow the spec. Yeah. If they want it like that, I'll do it like that. Unless there's an... In, interference or something i'll go back with them like hey can we change this yeah but i had one project where uh the engineer overkilled it i sent the price into the client it was a lot of money right for something so small it was based on the engineer's scope yeah it was based that their engineer exactly that, their engineer gave me right so you know what the client said to me say john why didn't you question the engineer why are they want I'm you? Like, what the fuck do I look? I, like, I know. I'm just doing the install. Why don't you go pick a fight? Yeah, exactly. Basically, exactly. What saying. Yeah. And I was explaining to him like, hey, I gotta work with this guy on future projects. You know what I mean? What am I gonna tell him? You know nothing. I know more. Yeah, you can't so I say told it him, that like, way. Listen, I follow the drawing to the T. I don't deviate from the drawing. I'm not an engineer. I can give suggestions. You know what would make it easier, maybe a little more cost effective. But for me to question his theory on how he's doing it. I'm not going to... You don't know that how bridge. that person's going to react. Exactly. You don't know if they're going to find it as an insult, yep. as a compliment, as an inquiry. That you don't know how it's exactly. going to be. And, and unfortunately, we as tradespeople still have a stigma attached to us that we're low men or low women on the, on totem, the totem pole. pole. You know what I mean? Yep. Which which I, I can't stand. Well, it's a lot of that too. Like, you know, a lot of people look at us still as the grunts, the workers, stuff like that, right? Which sure. I don't mind. You know, I'll go get dirty. Uh, you know, that's what I am. But today's tradesperson is a lot more educated than yesterday when that Way stereotype was attached to it, right? Way more educated. Yeah. And you need to. You need to stay on top of things. Like, my girlfriend would look at me. She's like, well, what are you reading about asphalt for? <laughs> right? And I'm just like, because I want to know. Right? Yeah. Like, we work with asphalt. I want to know how asphalt works, what it's built of, and stuff like that, right? I have no formal education, like, other than... Didn't go to school or anything? Right out of high school. Right into the business. So pretty much I told my dad and mom both wanted me to go to like, you know, George Brown construction management at least. I looked at him. I'm like, listen, I'm going to learn way more on site. And it was true. And that's what I've heard too, man. It honestly, was true. To be the, honest. The stuff I learn on site and it's getting reminded every day. It's not you're in school, chapter eight through nine, on to the next chapter. 
you might run into that same problem every day. Yeah, so yeah. now it's drilled into your brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? So school of hard knocks, I like to call it YouTube university. Yeah. I tell people all the time, we're in a generation where you can learn anything Everybody you want is right away. It. You could get a university education. Uh, literally. It's true. I was, uh, I was on YouTube. A, a suggestion came up for Harvard, like trigonomic tree class, right? <laughs> I just clicked on it to see like what, what what's this, this all about, about right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it blew my mind, blew my mind. But so you someone can, posted that, shared yeah, that. You can sit in on a Harvard lecture. You know what I mean? And a lot like, of construction no guys are doing it too. Oh, absolutely. They're I, sharing it, right? Absolutely. They I, may not be sharing every little detail, but they're sharing a majority of it. Yep. And hopefully it's actually attracting a lot more people to get into the industry. I, you know, I want to use social media a little more. Yeah. For education purposes, I yeah. could care less about marketing or all that. You know what I mean? Half our clients, to be honest, they don't find us on Google. Like I said, it's pre-qualified, stuff like that for the bigger. You guys are on lists. You're yeah. On, okay. Yeah. So especially when it comes to the uh, like high security, like correctional institutions, stuff like that, it's all pre-qualified. But uh, for me, I want to start using it more for education and kind of educating clients, other trades, vendors. You know what I mean? I think there's a there's a big disconnect between the supplier and the installer. As well, I yeah. think uh, a lot of the sales reps don't really know how the installation process works on a lot of these products. I'd agree with you, man. I, they're they're really good at sales, absolutely, right? But then they fault on but it's experience a passion too, right? Yeah, like if you're not passionate is. about something, how are you going to really sell it? Right? It's a common, it's a common, uh, I guess, inquiry yep. at, at that point, right? Uh, I'm just trying to figure out, like, with your fences and everything like that. Are you guys giving guarantees? Or is there a warranty attached? So to I, give how a, long I give it a three-year warranty on three labor. On labor. On labor. So any post upheaving or anything like that will come and repair right away. A lot of our suppliers do offer warranties on the actual product. So, uh, for example, our ornamental fence, it's a lifetime warranty on the residential product. So any paint corrosion, peeling, rusting, anything like that. Is it powder-coated? Yeah, it's powder-coated. Nice. So we use a company in the States. They're actually the biggest in the States. There are Canadian companies that I would love to use, but I'm going to be honest. The but product the price shit. point? No, it's not even the price the point. The quality? The product shit. Really? Yeah. So if you see a lot of these ornamental fencing, you see how they'll start peeling. Yeah. yeah. And it's annoying. It's super annoying because you paid a lot of money. Yeah. Right? But uh, what we noticed, the company in the States, they're the biggest. They do like all the CIA headquarters and shit like that, like high security, all that. Wow. Their cleaning process is a five-day cleaning process before they powder coat. And that's the game changer. And they offer a lifetime product uh, warranty on the residential, 25 years on the commercial industrial. And they are so good with their product warranty. If I see a little peel on a fence, I call them and tell them, they'll send a whole new panel. No question, no, no questions. nothing. It no makes questions. a lot of sense. I mean, powder coating is all about prep. It's all about prep. Just like painting, right? Yeah. Any other painting. Like it doesn't matter. It could be the best quality paint. It's it all it won't adhere. Yep. It won't stay. Yep. It's yeah. all prep, right? So these guys, they do a really good job at cleaning it. All of our product. I think I've had one warranty call in the nine years that I've been with the company. Wow. Yeah. One warranty call on the material. On the labor, you know, you'll get your odd time where, you know, they didn't go low enough on the footing. And uh, we'll start to upheave, but that's not a big deal. You know, we'll come rip the post up, put a new one in, proper footing, uh, proper depth and all that. But yeah, other than that, the warranties pretty much on the product. So your manufacturer's warranty. And then I give a three-year on the labor. But the majority of that, it's lasting a long, yeah, long time yeah, anyway, yeah. right? Yeah, well, especially 
like most of the time when you see post upheaving, it's the commercial residential fences, you know, six foot stuff yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's only an eight to ten inch hole. I know that's that's the it's it wasn't installed properly. Exactly, that's all it is. Exactly. It's not the product failing; it was just wasn't it just wasn't installed properly. You know, bringing up that ornamental, I remember there's a a, a townhome complex near me. I swear to you, every other summer, man, there's the crew there scraping it all off and yep. cleaning it and then yep. repainting it all over again because it all just fades and absolutely. Peels and, and it's just, it's annoying. And the thing is that each of the residents in that complex are paying for that maintenance yep. every single, every, every other month year. or whatever it is. Yeah. So you've gone through the whole country and the ones that are here. There's so pretty much like you said, it's the belt down here, right? So uh, half the manufacturers are yeah. down here. So I know we know them, a lot of them personally. The one in the States we stick to. Like we've installed the others because it's specced. Uh, we'll ask the consultant, hey, we have a comparable if you want to look at it, right? It comes with this warranty, stuff like that. We'll install it, but I'll, I'll tell them. I'm like, this I, has been my experience. I think there's a superior product that would be better. Same price point, too. It's it's good that you're doing that. Sorry, I interrupted you. You're saying that you tell people right before that. Oh, I, I tell people all the time. I'm like, I would love to use a Canadian product, but it's all about quality for me. It's a shame, man. Like we have... Why don't we start trying to bring it back here? Like I, manufacturing? I, I, yeah. I wish. I wish. I think it's just too expensive at this point. People don't want to invest. Like, think about it, Manny. If you're gonna, let's say you want to do manufacturing, how uh, much is a two hundred fifty thousand square foot building gonna cost? It's, you? it's huge, right? The you numbers are I mean? huge. It's crazy. I know. It's, how are you gonna afford? So you it? won't. You won't be. Able, you won't be able to compete. And that's just the le- uh, the building. I, and the I land. Know. Now you gotta outfit the, the whole place. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Right such a shame why not outsource though which is our mentality the last 20 years which has ruined our country i know but the problem is it's like okay like you said it gets shipped down there and then it gets sold back to us at a premium and then so those numbers have to factor in absolutely but i guess it's um there's nothing more annoying to me like i i don't we're in toronto so we have streetcars right and I can't stand that Toronto's full of streetcars. Streetcars are basically trams. Our and, shops on Eglinton. Yeah, at Warden. Okay, where the new, where the new. Well, you guys have been in. going through that shit yeah, for yeah. so long now, <laughs> and it's still not done yet. But I mean, my whole argument is, I, I've seen streets get ripped up, probably every five, six years, right? And it's just annoying. Where I understand that the government has somehow made a deal with Bombardier and the trams and the streetcars and all this crap. But if it keeps failing and needing to be yep. repaired over and over, what's that cost? Exactly. You know, and you, know you know, repairs cost a lot more, especially exactly. when they're government repairs. They cost and a they're lot still tendered, more. and they give yep. a price, and yep. then there's overages, and there's always a bunch of extras. extras. And then if you cancel the job, you're still paid a certain percentage yep. of the job. You haven't done anything, so it just becomes this this pool of money that just keeps on getting drained over and over. And yet, it's all taxpayer dollars, and absolutely, it's frustrating to see that. When why can't you? I think it was like years ago. I came across a story on 60 Minutes, and this guy somehow developed uh, a manhole. You can't call them manholes anymore now, the covers, <laughs> right? But he developed a manhole that had a ring around it that was flexible that would move with, with the pavement. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every time that winter, de- depending on the countries, you had that climate change, all that asphalt around there would crack would the shit out of it, sink go down, yeah. and then you would have like a huge hole, yep. right? And then what do they do? Come in the spring and they just fill the manhole with asphalt, and that's the fix, the quick fix. But Three this, times every spring. I right? know. Yeah. And this guy came up with this ring, and the government never took off with it. 
because of the cost and to change every single one of them. I'm like, yeah, but he's fixing the bigger problem. Long term. Yeah. Exactly. Fix it now so you don't have to fix it in the future. And I think a lot of that stuff comes from small business mentality where people look at, okay, so the ones that are paying attention to their business and they're paying attention to their numbers and they're going, listen, if we keep on doing this and we're spending this money every time we do it, or we get this piece of machinery, or we do this and now we don't spend all that money and we make more profit. That's where that mentality comes from. Product innovation. Yeah. Right. Innovation is what changes the game. I think it's, I think everyone should be innovating, all suppliers, all vendors, all manufacturers. You should be spending money on R&D because when you make 100%. a better product, yeah. guys like us will pay for it. The industry I will. see value. For in sure. Things. You know what I mean? A lot of guys, they don't really see value sometimes in certain things. I look at them like, what are the savings like for the future if I get this product? That's you how you got to I mean? look at it. Absolutely. But people don't think about the future. They're thinking I, about right now. It's got to be fair to say, uh, John, honestly, like it's got to be that majority of product innovation has come from a tradesperson handling it. Absolutely. Has to be. Absolutely. Where like, else? It, it can't it be from? in the laboratory no. and it can't be, no. and I'm not to, to kind of diminish engineers or architects or anybody like that, but it can't be the people that are looking on paper. It's when it's an on-site problem. It's an on-site problem over and over, and you see it, and someone there with a hard hat and safety boots scratched their head, and they said, hang on a sec, why don't we do this? Yep. And then they figured it out. Exactly. So there's a lot of, you got to admire that. You got a hundred percent. Well, there's a lot of tool companies, right? That are, that are close with their trades, right? Like we, we, for good reason, we're yellow. We run DeWalt. All DeWalt? Right? Yeah, all DeWalt. Uh, for the most part, like we... My condolences. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a big blue guy. You know what? The reason I like the wall, it's the beating my guys put them through. They just beat the shit they, out of it? We're outside, you know, fucking they're dropping it on the gravel and Rain, stuff like that. Rain, snow, yeah, yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah, of crap. Yeah. And they still work. They beat the shit out I, of it. Listen, every tool brand's got a... It's Absolutely. whatever works for you, man, Absolutely. honestly. Like Milwaukee, a lot of my buddies are plumbers, electricians, and they love Milwaukee. Yeah. And I can only, I can, I understand why, right? Yeah, it's their yeah. lineup of tools for those guys. Other than DeWalt, we're running like Husqvarna and still like Quick Cuts and stuff like those that. Those are good. And then equipment-wise, we're, we're case junkies. Okay. So case skid steers, case excavators, stuff like that. Uh, we like JCB too, but I really like Hilti. I but it's really expensive. Like Hilti, but it's too expensive. But it's almost like Carlito has said before. It's like a tough, tough tool, man. Yeah. It, it takes the yeah, beating. Absolutely. And, and it's you designed know what? It's for the you customer guys. service too, exactly. right? Like you have an issue with your tool, you bring it into the service center, they'll and give they you a take loan care and all of that, you. which I like. Yeah. Because even me, I'm a big Apple guy. And I like Apple for the fact that I can bring it to the store. Yep. I can call in the yep. customer support is there. That's what I'm paying for. Yeah. Right. But uh, I love Hilti. It's just their price points. Like, how am I going to outfit three, four crews with all Hilti? But I guess, yeah. I mean, it's the argument. You look at the bottom line, you go, the tools are doing well and they survive. Exactly. And the guys are more efficient. Then I get more production. Then that means my business is doing better. Yep. Versus if you get some lower brand or whatever, it might fall apart. Then your downtime. Exactly. Nothing's worse than not having work for the guys to be doing well the reason i like the wall because you can go to m- most big box stores and grab it that's why i like it but i think that hilti did that on purpose where they just said fuck it we don't want to see or our product yeah, yeah, anywhere yeah. near diyers yeah. we do not i want can understand that which i can understand i totally that. respect that which i you know that's their lane and yes. obviously they're one of the leaders in the industry so it's working for them everything on our specs is always hilti all of our threaded rod wedge anchors really that's yeah, all hilti always wow hilti. if an engineer is putting a fastener on a piece of paper it's going to say hilti on it really yeah absolutely so you and you're, you're looking forward to that uh like it just is hilti takes away from my profit because at the same time you can't price up well i can go to powers 
which is DeWalt's fastener. Which brand. is Stan yeah, Stanley Black and Decker. And yeah. uh, all the specs are the exact same, but it's a third of the price or half the price, whatever it is, right? So the specs are the same, you know? Do you go strength. back to the engineer? I, sometimes I do. To the discuss. Sometimes it. I Depending, do. on, I guess, how many you have yeah, to get exactly. to that point, right? Like sometimes I'll go back and I'll be like, can I use a comparable? And they'll be like, send me over the specs. They'll check and see if it matches. Like even now, IHL. They came out with the Octo Gold anchoring adhesive. They have their own. They have their own anchoring adhesive for threaded oh, really? rod and stuff like that now. Two parter. Uh, they have a one part and a two part system. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I I was talking to one of the guys there. I'm like, does it meet all of Hilti's requirements and stuff like that? They're like, yeah. They're like, we'll send you a spec sheet, right? But a lot of the engineers they tell you no. We want it all Hilti, and I can understand because at the end of the day, Hilti spent tens of millions who the knows how much R and D yeah. which I'll give them the credit for. And the engineers trusted, like you said, it's all the engineers is always about covering their ass, which I can appreciate too. So I stick it's to on the them, eh? if I it, put it on my quotes for yeah. my clients to know. Okay. Like it's all in capitals at the bottom of the quote. Hilti products only. So they know if there's a bit of a premium on my price, we're using only Hilti. Which is what the engineer wants. Which makes sense. You should yeah. be presenting that. You should Absolutely. be letting them know that. Absolutely. Right? I think you should... Like, it's hit or miss. I like being as detailed as I can when it gets to the quotes. But then again, I've had clients just use them as shopping lists. Like, I'll put together a nice proposal, a nice quote for them, and they'll oh, just they send just it off flip, to flip, six flip, other flip companies. Flip, right to the yeah. last yeah. page, yeah. and what's the final price? Well, they'll just flip it off to six other companies. So now I did all the legwork. These other companies just look at it. Can you beat this price or not? And they're going to say yes. Offering. Yeah, of course. And, I would too, and right? That's not, yeah, I know. But If I, you're going to send me the quote, and I don't have to do anything. Exactly. As long as I'm doing what this quote says, yeah, I could beat the price. But you're me. looking at your experience and your business, and you're going, listen, Hilti is making me increase my price by 10 points and that's the reason why i'm higher than the rest of the guys and are they really going to use hilti or are they exactly. going to sneak it out right exactly which a I, lot of guys do which I, a lot of guys i remember do. a painter telling me a story about how he had to sign a contract to specifically only use benjamin Moore. Yeah. Yeah. and it was the contract coming from the designer and the client Absolutely. and they were even saying all oh, your primer i don't care everything. everything has yeah. to be and then sure enough i think it was another job there was an empty can of a different product there. And they lost. And it. they lost it. They just freaked out, man. They just. But you know what? I can understand from the designer and consultant point of view, because now who are they going to, if they put Benjamin Moore only and you use something different and it fails. Exactly. They can say, listen, we spec Benjamin Moore for a reason. Like it's even the now same with, thing with the engineer, they're stamping the top of their yes. bolts and stuff. Yeah. So the engineers can see what kind of bolt did they use? What size did they use? Because a lot of the guys too, six inch minimum embedment on an anchor guys are going four because who's going to know right but now with hilti they're stamping the top so the engineer can see that's a seven inch anchor i know it's six inches with a one inch on top do you know that a lot of engineers have at some point in their careers been forensic engineers i didn't even know that yeah so there is such a thing as a forensic engineer basically when you see failure they have to come in and Examine why it failed. Investigate why it yep. failed. So they start becoming forensic engineers okay, at that's that point, wicked. right? So it's always interesting. I've only come across two engineers that had a... Uh, like a that background? Yeah. And a little stink, right? Where yep. they basically were a forensic engineer, which is kind of good because they're problem solving something that failed. Exactly. Because you have an engineer that specs something and... 
based on the numbers, it should not have failed, but it failed. But now we have to figure out why it failed. Exactly. Was it the actual product or was it the installation, installation method or whatever it is? Yep. But it's just like it's a it's an interesting conversation to have with certain things. But that's how you learn and better your own business. Right? Absolutely. I pick my engineer's brain all the time. We Take work the with time, one firm. Man. You're not paying for the site visit. No, no. I pick their brain all the time, though. You like, have I'll call to. them like, hey. I have this issue. Come here, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I had one engineer. He came for an inspection that we were doing. He just wanted to look over everything. Older gentleman. He didn't know how to put a harness on because we had to go up on the scissor list so I could control some of the so work. So fighting with... Uh, I was, no, I was like a little baby. I was like fucking clipping him in and everything and all that. So You got the leg or in the arm. What's yeah. Going? yeah, yeah. Well, we worked with another guy and he was, he was about to retire, but uh, he wasn't that familiar with chemical chemical securement like epoxy yeah. and threaded rod yeah, yeah he was like just an older guy so stuck on mechanical fastening right so he's like he was like a rushing guy or something he said what'd you use in there I'm like chemical <laughs> adhesive and he's like from where i'm like guilty he's like okay <laughs> right but a lot of people don't understand either it's when you have two engineers working together so now i'll get my drawing set from uh, my client that's what we want done done by an engineer now i have to get my shop drawings based Done on that on that so now i have two engineers calling each other asking hey change this change that i had one where uh my engineer sent in the shop details their engineers started ripping it apart red all over this fucking drawing just Whoa. red marker all over okay these guys manny three weeks of back and back and it forth got to the point where i just gave like i forwarded them on an email I'm like, you guys figure it out and let me know when you guys figure it out. Because I was like the messenger. And they're like yelling at me, you know, tell him fucking that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, guys. A little bit of engineer keyboard warning yeah, yeah. going on, So man? A, lot of, a lot of people don't realize. Like now I have to be the middleman between an, a consultant and an engineer or two engineers or two consultants, whatever it is, right? Wow. Yeah. So that becomes a whole nightmare. Just bring itself. them on site and just duke it out right then oh, and there. I wish. I wish. Both of you guys great, get your right? harnesses yeah, on yeah, first, exactly. right? We'll take and we'll go to lunch. Get the harnesses on. Exactly. <laughs> I heard a story that one uh, GC I was telling you about that really pushes me to my limits. He was a big union drywall guy for years, like okay. 30 years. And uh, whenever there was a new crew on site, him and the two older guys, they would close the door and start like just banging on the walls and starts yelling and screaming like they're like scrapping in the room <laughs> so like the younger uh, new crews would just stay the fuck away from them the whole time right he's like yeah we'd start fucking banging into walls screaming i'm gonna kill you this and that <laughs> that's just hilarious the man. Guys. you gotta have fun because i guess they're just you stuck in a cubicle to. all the time you right? have to they're like we joke around numbers, man. you have to have fun my dad always told me that, you know it's all about having a solid good day at work but you gotta throw the jokes in there and have fun and stuff have like the that crew and everybody's having yeah. a good time before you know it the day is done and all the work got done competition yeah like i'll look at my buddy he'll be at one end of the fence line all bit the other of like whoever can get to the middle faster right without like obviously <laughs> skipping out on quality yeah, yeah, yeah. But i'm like whoever gets to the middle faster buys the other guy lunch or whatever nice. it is right nice. so we'll have competitions you know two and two two guys are hand digging a hole you know who can dig this hole faster right but that's what keeps the guys going just with a puzzle or no machinery uh, well, we'll have to hand dig sometimes, like yeah, depending on locates, where. right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I know we wanted to talk about locates. I guess we'll just jump right into that. <laughs> I totally forgot about locates, man. A lot of clients, can you come tomorrow to do my fence? Can you come in two days to do my locates fence? Locates takes time, They don't man. get that. I can only assume with pandemic, it still takes more time. They're about, I got an email from Landscape Ontario and uh, it's, I didn't know this. It's law 
that a locate company has to provide the locate in five business days. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it was signed into law a couple of years ago. They were reading about it. But no one, I didn't know that. No one follows it. So they actually, Ontario One Call has something called like the locate police. Yeah. Where they'll hand out fines to the utility companies for not getting the locate in on time. And I, I, had did, no idea. I did not know that. I had no idea. So, I mean, five days. So one week. Yeah. That's not terrible. No, no. That's it fair, should give enough time. And, you know, I, I tell all clients it's minimum a week. Yes, yeah. we need locates. Yeah. What are locates? I'm like, it's all the underground stuff. You know what? My, the number one line all these people tell me? There's nothing there. There's nothing there. I know. There's nothing so there. So you're living on nothing? Is yeah, that what's exactly. going on? You're just exactly. living on air? No, there's something there. So I explain to them. And then, uh, can you dig without them? I'm like, no. The fines are... No, but you can. Yeah, exactly. If you'd like to. <laughs> if you'd like to. If and you... if your shovel hits a gas line... Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. The police, fire, and ambulance are going to show yep. up. The fines are crazy. It's insane. Yes, I say. Because it's crazy. dangerous, yeah, man. Absolutely. It's dangerous, absolutely. right? I tell people I don't put a shovel in the ground without a valid set of locates. And that's what a lot of builders don't understand. Hey, I got a locate from a year ago when we started the no, project. No, 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 I can't. No. no. I, to be honest, I don't feel comfortable using locates in someone else's name. Because you don't know exactly. I want the locates in my name. Yeah. Right? So it's through the system in my company, just in case something happens, you know? You can go back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so even with the locates, locates, I mean, you still want to be cautious of being what, where they still market. Well, the thing is, what people don't realize, the fence company or the excavator, whoever's doing the digging, they have to verify the locates by law. So I have to take the paper that has the markups, and then they mark it on the ground or put flags, whatever they used to mark it. I need to verify that what's on the paper matches what's on the ground. Yeah. Right? And... Is if all goes well and something does get hit by accident, hey, I followed what the loc and the locates are wrong sometimes. I've hit a fiber line. Really? Yeah. So first set of locates had the fiber line on it. Job got delayed. Had to get a new set. New set didn't have the fiber line on it. First hole, it was a two-inch fiber. Two-inch fiber. It took a, like four city blocks of lights. Everything from hitting it. Yeah, yeah. We hit it on the first hole. And then uh, TSSA came, everyone came. The gentleman's like, can I see your locates? Just gave him my locates. He's like, you're good to go. And I'm like, how bad would it have been if it was on my locates and I still hit it, right? Like negligence. And yeah. he's like, buddy, close up the company. He's like, we're going to have like Beltex here for the next three days splicing fiber strands back together. <laughs> I did a fence once and we got locates. And it just pissed me off because the gas line was literally on the fence Six, line. Oh, yeah, that happens. Like too. it was li- like for three posts, they just made a turn and then they just went right yeah. down the middle. And so for those three, we had to cautiously dig around. Absolutely. Like cautiously. Careful. Like Careful. just we were yeah. just paranoid. Because right? it's an qu- inch and a quarter packs, like a it's, shovel with minimal force. Not, will even go when right you're through. fighting it, trying yep. to dig yep. around it, you could possibly damage yep. it. I tell my guys all the time because we'll have to hand dig where it's yeah. close. Like I vac most of the times. So that's a kind of that's smart. Yeah. yeah. So it's on all my quotes. I, I put it as a as pretty much a term there that any vac truck will be extra determined on where the locate. The vac are. won't damage. No, so that's what they allow. So there's two different vacs. There's uh, under 1,500 PSI and over 1,500 PSI. Okay. Certain lines will allow different PSIs. You just have to talk to the utility company. But yeah, we've had fence lines. We had a project now. It's a new development. So instead of temporary fence, the guy just wants to put six-foot chain link around the whole development because it's going to be like two years. Okay. So uh, he's like, John, we're right along the roadway in the sidewalk for like 1,000 linear feet. He's like... 
John, we're going to need a vac truck. I'm like, okay, let me file for the locates. And then when we know where we are, we'll determine maybe we can space the posts out so we miss utilities or maybe we'll need a vac truck. He's like, just price out for the whole thing, like the whole fence line to vac it. Because I don't... Vac yeah, it? Yeah, to vac it. How right? much was that? Vacs are usually typically about 2500 bucks a day. But how many can you get made in one day? If you have a guy that knows what he's doing, like you a good swamper, oh yeah, like yeah. he'll bang out like probably 50 60 holes in a day easily wow. easily wow. if he knows what he's doing so that's not too bad cost no, effective no man. like we yeah. use one guy he's a one-man team older he's an independent that works for uh badger which is one of the big yeah. boys when yeah it comes we to all it. know them yeah we see them he's an animal yeah like i've had two guys come and he gets more done with just him <laughs> like holding it it's just it. routine like, it's man amazing. it's yeah, just yeah. routine so i request him a lot <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can you please send over Rick? I'm like, is Rick busy that day? How old is he? Is he gonna retire soon? Uh he's in his early fifties. Oh, okay, so, so might, he's still yeah, hanging he's out still for a bit. years. Yeah, I always request him. Is Rick busy that day? And they're like, he's he's busy. I'm like, I'll reschedule the project just to right? get yeah, him, yeah, just to get him, because I know I'll get done quick, clean holes. So, but a lot of people don't get the whole locates thing. Can you come here next week? Someone can come next week. That's a client thing, man. I think if you're in the, the business, you get it. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. You've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Let's let's tag it. We need to locate it, man. It's, it's the Simplest, client. Yeah. It's the client. Like, we've had big gas mains where we would have to locate the gas main before we do any digging. Like, I'm talking 16-inch, The big ones, the main inch, arteries. Yeah. Wow. Right? So, we had one fence we were putting in. We knew the gas main was there, so HydroVac has to come out. We have to visually locate where it is. Embridge or whoever it is, they have to visually locate it, verify it, and then we can start putting in our funds. The, the buddy Ricky looked at me, John, I'm at 16 feet. I don't see anything. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 16 feet? 16 feet. So what is the locate off or is it, what's going on? Uh, so pretty much we knew it was there, but uh, since it's a main, we have to, like I said, we have to visually locate it. Yeah. So he went 16 feet. We saw like a tip of yellow. Right, and I brought the Embridge guy over. I'm like, you see it? He's like, yeah, I see it. I'm like, okay, we're good to go. He's like, at 16 feet, 16 and feet. you guys are going down that? No, no, no. No, but you had I, to discover. I have it. to do that. Yeah, I have to visually locate where it is because now when I get my locates, it doesn't show me depth. Never. And there's no just location. There's no rule of thumb. What I figured out when it comes to depth of these. I've things. seen it as I've high as a foot inches. and a half. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it as low as maybe eight feet yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So we have to verify where it is exactly. Wow. Yeah. You think it's because they want that information because they don't have that information? <laughs> Probably. Why you mean? mean, like now we know it's it's now we know. Feet. Thanks yeah. for doing our job. Exactly. <laughs> we ripped up. We ripped up a driveway, asphalt driveway, so four inches. I went off this little dip, and the the edge of my bucket just dipped down with a machine and yeah. cut a gas line. Yeah. Just the teeth. Yeah. Nick the gas line. This gas line was sitting at like seven inches below. Man, grade. that's like if you're making a garden. I had to pay. So they came out, repaired it, whatever it cost me, you know, a couple thousand bucks. But uh, I'm like, buddy, that's seven inches. I told the gentleman. From How Umbridge. is there not a fault on their side? And that's what I said. He's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, it was on your locate. He's like, you should have known it was there. But like, they right. never tell you depth. No, never. So how can we know? Exactly. Exactly. No one ever assumes that it's ever going to be even a shovel. It's like three that. feet minimum. Yeah. I always that's think what for most think. utilities. But I, yeah. like I said, I've seen it a foot and a half, Absolutely. man. It scares the shit out Absolutely. of me. Absolutely. scares Absolutely. the shit out of me, man. I've seen them in the wrong place. Like wrong from the locate. Wow. We did the one fence. One of my guys, he's like, John, come over here. At the edge of the hole, literally at the edge of the hole, I saw the line yeah. going through. 
but the locate had it four feet the other fucking way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what are you going to do? But these guys are locating. They're just following the tracer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So but sometimes what was the case with that? It was their pavement markings. Oh. So their pavement markings were off. So they were going off of that. Exactly. And that's what made it go off exactly. four feet. So it was a learning. That, that was technically a fuck up on our end. Yeah. And it was a learning uh, experience for my guy. Verify the locate. Like I said. Verify the paper matches the market. Yeah. Don't go off the market. Always don't over. No. Yeah, no, because these guys are lazy too, right? Oh man, John. Yeah. What did we cover everything? We covered a lot, man. Well, we got through a lot. Yeah, I know that you sent me a bunch of stuff here, but uh, I think we've actually uh, we talked about all of this stuff, man, which is great. Wicked. Anything else you want to share? No, man. Anything else you want to ask me? Uh, I could ask you for days about welding, man. But then yeah. I'd, I'd have to get on site Anything and start trying. Anything quickly you want to just... Uh, just? I don't fucking know. I'd love to learn it one day. Yeah. To be very honest, it's you know what? It's not that hard. It's I scary it. though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, if you it, don't know what you're doing, it's scary. Yeah, like you know, my girlfriend will come to the shop sometimes, and she'll walk in and she'll see me welding and she'll start screaming. She just see fucking sparks flying everywhere. This noise. Yeah, but you've got your yeah, yeah, you gear on. You wear the FR and all that. You know, some guys are cowboys when I see them with t-shirts on welding and shit like that. But (laughs) and their forearms are just all these little. But you know what? I don't blame either. In the summer, when you're outside, sometimes you know, well, it's hot, hot, man, man. and you're welding, and it's just. I guess I guess welding to me is kind of like electrical. I never liked electrical because I don't. You can't control it, like if yeah. something happens. And same thing with welding. I guess you can't. But yeah. I've seen guys weld, and I've seen girls weld as well, too. I'm fascinated. I'm in awe like oh, a, of I professionals. It. I love you it. Know I love I mean? it. But you know what? It's I haven't seen thing. a cowboy. I haven't seen anybody just like do a shit job. Oh, I can show you some pictures. Oh, I can imagine. I can show I can you some imagine. pictures <laughs> of some fucking... Guys call them dimes, I guess. But it looks like <laughs> puddles of water. What kind of dimes, oh, man? Oh, my God. You know, there are the cowboys out there, but they're... Uh, one thing I always say about Canada, our building standards and codes are so high, which are, which I love. They're which, good. That's why I like being in the industry here. Yeah. Like, I think we have some of the best building standards. Yes, right? I'd agree, man. But, uh, yeah, like some of the welding, I love it because, like I said, nothing's ever too short. You can make something out of nothing. <laughs> yeah. But I love seeing the finished carpentry guys. For me, uh, if I had to pick something that, or pick another trade, it'd probably be, like, Carpentry, man. A finish? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, finish framing? so much. Yeah, but rough, rough framing for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like building, you know, starting from just the it's foundation. The same thing. It's a symphony. It's kind of like an exactly. art. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and some of those guys, like, they amazing. just wheel the hammer yeah, the yeah, way yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. man. Amazing. I know. Like, don't need a nail gun, nothing. Just banging. But it's kind of sad because you get a lot of the kids that want to get into it, and I think they're deathly intimidated by how good they are. Or what they can do and wield with a hammer and a, and a worm drive, you know what I mean? And they could just cut so much material off their toe. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like yeah. just hanging off their toe, and then they're taught in school. No, no, get the saw horses and set this up, and get the miter saw. And it's efficiency. It's efficiency. But I mean, they get intimidated. They by do. It. But the thing is, they gotta realize it's and experience. relax. You'll get to that point. Exactly. You'll get exactly. to that point. It's man. years. It's and guess years. what? You can meet a lot of people that will actually teach you and help you get to yep. that point. Yeah, so, like uh, how many years have you been in the industry now? 14. 14? Okay. So when you first started, what did you know? Oh, I was like 
Brutal. Exactly. Brutal. Like exactly. You, you don't want to look at any of the drywall mudding work I've ever done or even but some of the trim. Right? It's just experience. You just get On better. On site, learning yeah. little tricks, p- picking Meeting another guy's other brain. Exactly. And learning their brain. Do, yeah. Right? Like we had one guy that came work for us. He worked for a commercial industrial fence company in Northern Ontario for like 15 years. Moved to Toronto, emailed me, came in. There were a couple things that he taught us. Right, that they were doing at their company. Nice. And I'm like, you know what? That's fucking genius. I know. Right, I know. but that's why it's always. That's what I love about the industry: problem solving, learning, innovation. You know, products are changing. You got to learn about these products yep. now. Yep. Right, and that's what I like about about your show and what you guys do. It's you're really giving knowledge to a lot of the innovations in the trades. Yeah, right? thanks, and man. Different products, different ways of doing things. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. That's how we become more effective, better builders, better at what we do. So I agree, man. I, I definitely think there's a strong community here, in, especially in Canada, instead of competition. I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm going on a construction podcast. She's like, when? <laughs> She's, I'm like, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. She's like, 8 a.m. for a podcast? I'm like, babe, construction. Like, okay? <laughs> like, come on. You don't expect. Be doing it at 5. It doesn't matter, exactly. man. <laughs> but uh, I explained to her, I'm like, it's crazy that Toronto is probably one of the leaders when it comes to the construction space oh, and social sure. media. If not the leader. For sure. You know, some of the top There's influencers. A yeah, yes, yeah. for sure. And I think it has to do with, number one, how fast our city is growing and yes. the building that's going on daily. Yeah. And our building codes. I think people across the world look at the way we build here. And you've always said it. It's not how we build. It's why. Yeah. Why are we doing yeah. it like Everyone that, right? starts to forget that why. And exactly. I, I understand why you forget i totally understand it like we go through certain cycles and certain things happen in our construction career but if you're ever in a slump go back to the why yeah exactly just go back to your first day your first week your first month your first year basics understand your why and then you'll get under you'll get back on track at that point i totally agree with you man and a lot of guys fall out of that right yeah they kind of get away from the basics and they you know, things start to get more difficult the bigger you get, you know, bigger houses, bigger buildings, yep. whatever it is. Yeah. But as long as you treat it all like that first little project you did, because everyone remembers their first project. The amount of passion. You spent the most time you, on it, the yeah. attention to detail. For sure. You know, like I still remember to this day the first fence I finished on my own or the first <laughs> gate I welded on my own, right? Because it took me 10 times longer than what a gate would take me now. But at the end, I was like, fuck. I did it. Proud. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there was, it looked ugly at first and there was a lot of fixing and but changing. But what you learned and how you became. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's important. It's valuable. And there's no industry like it. No. There's no industry where every day it's something different, which I love. Different I think you're site, totally right, clients. man. Like Canada is actually standing up quite a bit oh, for absolutely. that. Like the rest of the world looks at that, that there's, there's quality here. Yep. There's totally quality here. Especially in Toronto. Look at it. Fastest growing, one of the fastest growing cities well, in the world. Have you right? heard about this? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where I read this, man. Uh, there's a huge condo complex being built around Yorkdale. So for people that's not I think that, I heard that are that. not in Toronto, Yorkdale is, uh, I guess, North York, north of the core. Yeah. It's a it's a huge mall, and uh, and now there's like a huge infrastructure plan to build something like twenty tower condo right towers, around it, park, right? yeah, everything, yeah, yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff to basically build an entire city, like a massive city. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, it's actually a great idea. Oh, absolutely, I think the city needs it because the core is just so saturated. It man, is, it is, and nobody can afford it anymore. Like I can't stand going downtown. Like a lot of my work's Difficult, downtown, man. But I fucking hate it. How could you have 
how can you green? I understand how because there's lots of birthday cakes that are no cakes in the boxes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back in the day, uh, how do you sign off on building 25 towers right off the Spadina exit? How exactly. do you do that? But Manny, these condos are fucking shit. Oh, some I know. That are going on. But that's why Toronto like and Canada has some of the highest maintenance feats. Yeah. Because these fucking things are falling apart and they need all that money to fix this stuff. So do you think like city government needs to get involved with some of the building practices that a lot of these I don't know if are doing? They need to get involved as much as like Because they're just letting these guys throw these things up. Exactly. Right? But so. I think if you get a third party that's not partial to the city or partial to the builder, they should get involved. Yep. But I don't know how many birthday cakes they're going to exactly. get. You know what I'm well, saying? even the crane. Yeah. The two cranes that happen in a month. I know. I'm like, this is fucking unheard of here. It's scary. For one to happen. That was is going one on. Thing. Yeah, that was going on in New York. Remember like two, yeah, two yeah. three summers ago. The one in Manhattan. I Almost remember that like video. every week a crane was going down and Which like, blows my come mind. Come on, man. This should not be happening. Of all things, the the point of load lifting these guys are lifting fucking who knows how heavy they are, the concrete yeah. barrels yeah. to bring them to the top to start pouring. You're telling me these cranes aren't good? Man, you bring up a good point because I've got a very good friend of mine. Um, his dad was a crane op. Okay. All his life. All his life. And and he's a very grumpy, opinionated, yeah, Italian, yeah, yeah. old school. Because he was stuck in a crane for fucking years. But he loved years. it because he hated working <laughs> with, with other people. people. Exactly. And he was always paid such a premium because oh, they, they, they didn't have those guys out yeah. there. And uh, I, Claudio is his name. I got to get him on the show and talk you to should. him. I mean, like you he, should. he would have a bunch of stories. But he's aware of that. Yeah, like as a crane op, you have to be aware of, of that's your tool. You got to be doing math. Yeah, what a lot of these guys know, don't understand. Like these guys are literally doing math up there, wind load, I you know, know all of, stuff, of that. Man. I know, right? And one little movement of the joystick can throw something off by you know feet. Yeah, right. So I always admire the crane operators, I th- and especially about five six years ago when uh, we had like the most operating cranes in the city. Oh, it was the you whole sh- yeah, the whole. You couldn't photograph skyline. the t- that time. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, couldn't yeah. photograph it. It was crazy. It was insane. It was crazy. It was just building, building, yeah. building, building. Photoshops, it, crane after crane. It goes back to the shitting building practices. Like one of my buddies bought a condo. Take this, and you're gonna love this. Uh, nine foot ceilings. Okay. Halfway through the build, they sent him an email. We're not giving you nine foot ceilings anymore. We're giving you eight. But we don't see it constitute a change in labor material, so there's no discount or anything. But you paid for nine foot ceilings, right? But who's getting involved? So who fucked up on the concrete when they're building that? Did floor? someone fuck up, or did they decide with one foot we can act an extra floor with maybe another ten units? Oh, wow. I don't know. It might be you got to inquire. Did they do that to every floor? Exactly. Yeah, but even an eight foot ceiling in a condo corp doesn't become eight foot because you're still running mechanical up and there somehow. And all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even look how they finessed everyone into loving the whole exposed concrete. Oh God! Everyone fell in love with it. Even exposed mechanical, all that, all the duct work. They saved a fucking killing on doing that. Then <laughs> they killing. hate it. Now they hate it. Yeah, and, yeah. And now but, everyone but, hates but it. But you paid for that, it's and overdone. they say, and back to management making as much money for yeah. doing the exact same task, and then gouging. The bottom end trade. Yeah. That's how it always works. They make the top dollar. I know. The bottom guy either maybe makes a buck. He might be fucking losing at that point. Right? But even us, like me and my girlfriend, we were looking for months for a condo. And we had a bunch of boxes we wanted to check off. We weren't gonna move unless we checked off all the yeah, boxes. Yeah, hit those, yeah. Right. Everything we were looking at 
garbage. New builds. These right? are new builds. New builds. New builds. Garbage. When you say garbage, what is it? Just fit and finish or just size? Uh, just design? It's size, number one. Okay. Design is shit. Like, I hate these fucking stupid, like, sliding doors that block Your off the bedroom. And the yeah, bedroom is yeah, part yeah. of the kitchen. And yeah, I know. I hate all of it. Uh, every time I walk into a new build, I'll look in the lobby right away and I'll be like, this place is garbage. Tape looks like shit. You know, you can see tape lines through the... Because that's the one place you figure they would have done a good job. Right? In the yeah. lobby. So anyways, we always go with shoe boxes, 500 square feet, 600 square feet. Then I ask the agent, how much is it? 2,500 bucks plus utilities plus parking. We found an older built condo. It was built in 2002. So still pretty new, but yeah. older. Uh, our unit is two bedroom, 1,400 square feet. How much? Uh, right now, utilities in and parking, we're paying three grand. It's not bad. That's a huge space. It's 1,400 square feet, two bedrooms, balcony, fireplace. That, that's a huge space. Real hardwood That's 14 floors. including the balcony? Uh, no, excluding balcony. Plus? It's 1375 Wow. Yeah, like our living room is massive. I'll show you some pictures after. You can't, like 500 is what that's what you would pay for 500 square foot. Yeah, absolutely. Box. Absolutely. That's why we jumped on it once we found it. It was wow. older building. Uh, but was real, it renovated or was it still? Uh, it was renovated. Okay. It was renovated. Kitchen was redone. Uh, they did like some painting. I think the washroom was redone too. It has a laundry room. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I got a laundry room in there. Stackable, of course, right? Yeah, stackable. But, but still, it's, you got it's like, a, like a four by 10 foot room. Wow. 10 foot long. I got a, a sink. Like for three grand, coverage. you can't go wrong. And no. parking and parking, maintenance. Utilities included. Wow, man. Yeah, I jumped on it. That's actually really it. Once good. Once I saw it, I looked at him and you like it? She's like, yep. Real hardwood floors, nine foot ceilings, fireplace, everything. Condo market is tough too, man. It's crazy. It's insane. I know some guys that do high rise and it's like to the penny for a lot of those guys. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them are piecework too, right? That's the reason why the quality is what it is. Because Get it done as, as fast as you can. As long as just pass the PDA, that's all it is, man. Just yeah. pass it. And then they and then even if there's issues, they'll just wear down the homeowners. Yeah, absolutely. Went to the point where they're just like, won't do it anymore. Absolutely. That's it. And they're like, oh, fuck, we're tired of calling them up and asking them to fix it. Like even when I was listening to Matt uh, from MMC Tiles, yeah. the show, he said he started off, you know, in the high yeah, rise. I remember doing that, that. I remember per he, square foot. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And he was saying, like, there were some jobs, you know, I'd, I'd work my ass off for two days and realize there was made no money. No made. money yeah. at all. Yeah. But Which, he learned. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And you realize your time is worth money. Right? Like piecework, I feel like you're just begging people to rush it. But that's how those jobs are. That's how they make their designed, money. Designed, right? right? And we go back to management's making money off yep. of that. They must be making money tons, off of that. Because they're never on site. They're always at their Muskoka cottage. And they're driving the nicest cars. <laughs> Porsches, fucking <laughs> Mercedes, all these other things. John, this has been a blast, man. Awesome. Thanks so much, dude. I, I'm sorry I took like two hours of your time, no man, for, for, uh, for Saturday morning. Love Again, it. everybody, Arctic, A-R-C-T-I-C, Fence and General Contracting. Uh, he's the operation manager. www.arcticfence.ca and john at arcticfence.ca and on instagram uh, arcticfence 12 questions of construction let's do it you ready let's do it what's your favorite construction word 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 fuck that's a good one um i don't know notching we do a lot of notching tube notching and stuff like that that's a nice word i yeah, like that word. i like it i like that word what is your least favorite construction word oh, fuck delay that, that, that comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah. That comes up a lot on that one. What turns you on in construction? 
every day is a different site. What turns you off in construction? The lack of passion right now in the industry. There's a lot? Uh, I feel so. I feel like a lot of guys are just not as motivated right now as they were before. They're just running? Yeah. That's yeah. all it just, is? Well, you know what? Our trade, too, it's become popular for the guys that don't know what they want to do. And they think, oh, construction. I heard you can make a lot of money doing that. So a lot they of guys are, are just jumping in it, it, right? I know. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Could be a phrase. Fuck. <laughs> what's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? I'm a Ferrari guy. Which one? Uh, probably like a, obviously like a LaFerrari or something, but like a 599 <laughs> or something like that. Go ahead, right to the most expensive, least available. I yeah, don't even exactly. know how many they made of those, but yeah. And plus you have to pre-qualify to get I'll that. show you some pictures of one of our clients. He has uh, one of the biggest car collections in Canada. Oh, wow. So we've done like retractable ballards for this guy in front of the doors and all that. And uh, he has a LaFerrari. Yeah, yeah. He has a wow. LaFerrari. What else does he have? He has a 55 Mercedes Golf Wing. Yeah. An original? Yeah, yeah. All original. Holy. All original. He has a 64, 65 Ferrari that won the Le Mans. He paid like $12 million for it. I'll show you some pictures after if you're a big car guy. What's he do? Plumbing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big, biggest plumber in the city, eh? No, uh, he's in marketing. Is so, he yeah, really? Marketing guy. Corporate marketing. Yeah, yeah. Big, big corporate marketing. Good for him, man. What is your least favorite vehicle? Fuck. Uh, probably like a Fiat or something like that. Like I just hate the, the small the new, cars. The new 500. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I don't like them. Those things look dangerous. They just do. To be in, they man. do. What construction sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of a steel, a piece of steel getting welded. Like it that is, zap. It, it's, and a cool it's, sound. it's a nice sound. It's a cool well, that's sound. how a lot of guys know if their weld is good, eh? It's From a lot sound. of sound. Yeah. They'll really? know if their machine is running at the right amperage and shit like that. Yeah, like I'll know right away, like I need more gas or I need more wire just by the sound it's making. Yeah. I got to get into it, man. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Oh, I hate jackhammering, man. That's I can't stand it. You're still young. Wait till you get to my age. You're going to really hate <laughs> yeah, it, man. I, I it can't just, stand it. It just all. burls into yeah, your ear, yeah. man. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? I think you hinted at that question. That uh, in the trades? Or no, anything in the world. Anything in the world. Uh, to be honest, I always, uh, I love cars, so probably something with mechanics. Mechanics? Yeah, 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 something with mechanics for sure. What profession would you not like to do? In the trades? Anything. Anything? Anything. Uh, for talking about the trades, uh, I did underpinning. You didn't well, for, for one summer. That's just hard work. When I was 16 years old, my dad told me, "You're not coming to work with me. You're gonna go work with a buddy and learn." Holy fuck! That's hard those, work. It's a new respect, man. For That's those hard guys. work, yeah. man. Final question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You've made it. That's it, John. Absolute pleasure to meet you, and thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it, man. It's been a this has been a very educational show. Thank you very much. Carlito man. regrets that he couldn't make it because he was he's a huge fan, and he had a bunch of questions to ask. But I mean, I'm I'm sure we can get you hey, back on the show. We'll get a part two going. I'll yeah. get my dad out here. You oh, guys that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we'll at least Carlito friend. and myself, we're all fifty, so exactly. we'll have a lot to there talk about. There you go. <laughs> Everybody, check him out again. Arctic Fence and General Contracting. Triple W ArcticFence.ca and John at ArcticFence.ca and on Instagram, Arctic Fence. Beautiful. Thank you, man. We're out of here. Manny. Appreciate it.